0: Kill, 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 kill. Death fucking
1: blooms. Let's do this shit. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Roach Coach Podcast. The journey to create the new metal cannon. My name is Lauren Kozlowski. With me as always, the original Roach Rider, Mr. Nas. Keep it rolling, baby. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. It's summertime. It's oh, summertime. we gotta relax. That's right, but it's hot in them streets, and that means it's also that fests are going on, which means we have to talk about some fests on this show. We haven't done a festival in a while. This week, we're talking about, some might say, the Fest of Fests, the ultimate fest, the Oz Fest, 2001, the second millennium. That's the record we're talking about this week, and there's only one man that we could get to talk about it with us. This gentleman, uh, self-professed longtime roach rider for life, Life. You, may know, you may know him from MTV, Fresh Out Live. You may know him from K-Rock, and you most definitely know him from the hottest new new metal band in the land, Big Trash. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Kenny.
2: Yeah! Gentlemen, this is surreal. I gotta, I feel like I'm on The prices Right or something. I've Like, seriously. <laughs> I swear to God. Uh, no, this is amazing. Thanks for having me. And honestly, that was such a kind intro, Lauren. Uh, I, I do consider myself the OzFest Obi-Wan Kenobi. I really am. Oh. I am the only man that you could turn to for OzFesto 1 and I can't wait to dig in, man. And by the way, I have such respect for Roach Coach. I'm probably going to be blowing smoke up your guys' ass the whole show and I hope I can curse. Um, oh, but yeah. I came prepared. Yeah. I came prepared. I got a whole Google sheet, dude, on notes on this <laughs> festival and the history of the festival, so I'm coming prepared and I'm just beyond stoked as a lifelong Roach Rider.
3: I'm oh. so excited to hear that because as normal, I've come completely unprepared (laughs) (laughs) at least you hit the Uh, catch oh you know it
1: (laughs) kevin before we dive in i i wanted to know a little bit about your history here um so you yeah, you're on MTV. You're on K Rock. What's your start in broadcasting?
2: So I had a very unorthodox uh, pathway into it. And so uh, basically when I, uh, I went to college initially for like diet, medical dietetics, I wanted to be a nutritionist. And I was a, a big uh, I was really into football uh, in high school. And I tried to walk onto the Florida State football team. And when that didn't work out, uh, came home, became a pro wrestler, uh, entered a pro wrestling contest. And uh, I think that kind of lit the fuse of entertainment in me. And I got a tryout when I was 19 with the WWE. I was a little too small at the time. They said, you know, hit the weights, kid. So I went back to college and uh, started a music show in my college and uh, got it syndicated across like northern New Jersey where I went to college, a bunch of different campuses. Uh, Fast forward, I started a live events company doing trivia and karaoke nights. And then while I was doing that uh, hustle, some dude that saw my music show when I was in college that I didn't really know that well, was working at billboard magazine and they were looking for a new young music host and so i got that gig and then it's kind of a copycat industry i always say you know once you get the ball rolling so people saw me on billboard it was like the day and age of facebook live when like live video on facebook was huge and so a lot of people yep. watched that a lot of people got served that and so that got me uh dick clark Productions. so i did all their award shows uh, american music awards billboard music awards whatever and then i also this is going to really endear me to the new metal audience by the way. And then, uh, and then uh, (laughs) they're like, "Wait a minute, Dick Clark, (laughs) Dick Clark, America's top." (laughs) Anyway, so
3: then American Bandstand. (laughs) (laughs) I almost said top forty, and I'm like, "That's Casey Kasem, Matt, not Dick Clark."
2: Open up that fucking pit on Bandstand, dude. Um, and so, uh, anyways, so then I, and then, you know, TRL came back at MTV, I was already doing a countdown for billboard and there was just one thing into another dude saw me in LA on billboard, gave me a radio job. And you know, I guess here we are, That's here amazing. we are.
1: Yeah. And now you have. All of this going on, and now you have Big Trash, which uh, is very exciting. Been playing it for a lot of people I know, and uh, my favorite reaction. I played it for one person; and they were like twenty dollars, fifty dollars, a hundred dollars. That's only a hundred seventy dollars, and I was like, "He's appealing to the common man."
2: I'm telling okay? you, bro. Yo, I swear <laughs> to God, everything I've learned about uh, new metal marketing was off this podcast. I really mean that. Like, I'm, I'm, ta- I'm oh. By the way, can I? I don't know if I'm the only one that uh, has noticed this, but what happened? There's a huge controversy in the Roach Coach community right now. I don't know if you guys know about this. Mm, I would I don't. I would say it's a scandal. Oh. Where oh. where oh where is the significant other episode? I can't find really? it. Really? I'm telling you. You can't find it? I can't find it, bro. I can't find it on, right. on Spotify and I can't find it on um on uh well, you know Apple oh. whatever. I know. Oh, I know what's that, going on here. Yeah.
1: That's because the um the, 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 we, we've talked about this a few times basically because we host this is this is the sexy part of the show oh uh, god because everybody
3: loves these things called rss the, feeds
1: yeah so the yeah the uh, the hosting the wordpress hosting that we use to host all our episodes only shows the last what 200 episodes
3: 250 map? i want to say yeah
1: and so because we're at 360 what have you at this point all of those ones are only on RoachCoach.com. Oh, so if you go to RoachCoach.com, so you can still find the Significant Other episode. Look at that! I'm there. Pretty sure I'm, I'm using. It's a plug for the uh, website. Yep. I just Google. I just Googled it. Yep. So if you go to, if you go to, yeah, if you t- Google Roach Coach and Significant Other, it will take you to episode 32. It is there.
2: All right, thank God. I um, thought I was gonna have to yeah. scalp it or it's, something.
1: Yeah, <laughs> get it from a guy behind a building. Yeah, you got that Roach Coach. So yeah, well, I'm glad
3: we were able to nip that controversy. Yeah, bro, I was the bud. worried. My, my uh, favorite part about just doing a Google search for Roach Coach significant other is that for some reason it's on IMDb, which is like what? <laughs> and also it says release January 11, 2017, United Kingdom. Nope so who knows all right who knows i always think it's michigan in
2: the uk though personally
3: that's right we well we are the europe of the midwest yeah we are that absolutely oh listen Uh, to the um when you hear monty python it's like oh it's all in the nose and it sounds horrible
1: so kevin i i wanted to know with regards to big trash are you i don't have all the credits in front of me are you are you the are you, is it all you? Do you have other people that you've been working with? Is it an actual band? Are you touring? Those are the main questions.
2: Those are – those are yeah, we've been getting a lot of those questions. So Big Trash is definitely sort of um, uh, a product of my imagination. I write all the songs. Um, musically, I collaborate with a producer in Miami uh, or the South Florida area named Vigs. Vigs Make It Nasty on IG if anyone want to check him out. And um, I work with Vigs because, you know – Everyone listening to this podcast right now, you know, new Metal, what I love about it so much and why it's really, I mean, consumes so much of my life is it's a music genre with so many strands of DNA. And the strand of DNA that really connected with me was the hip hop side of it. So Viggs is both a rock and a rap kind of producer down there. It works with Mad Kelly, if you guys are familiar with Mad Kelly. And so Viggs definitely takes the music to a new level. But I write all the lyrics, um, collab with Viggs a little bit on the instrumentation. And then uh, for live shows, you never know who's under the masks. If you want to check out uh, the look of the band at Big Trash Music. And and I kind of like that, that sort of mystique, that mystery. I remember uh, this is not new metal, but uh, Dashboard Confessional. The original idea of that band uh, initially, Chris Caraba just wanted it to be almost like communal were dashboard professionals there was always different people eventually they had like kind of a you know a lasting band but um yeah you yeah. you never really do know who's under the mask
1: that's exciting you i know you did a recent new metal night performance was that the live debut that
2: was the live debut dude and i was really proud of that because i i didn't i work in music as we just touched on and i didn't want to I didn't want to like, you know, uh, push my music on anybody in the industry and be one of those guys. Right. Like, oh, I'm making music now. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really send it to anybody in the industry. And then the guys over at Emo Night L.A., which is like the definitive Emo Night. I mean, they're huge. They did Coachella. Oh, yeah. Like they're mm-hmm. like the real deal. They hit me up and they were like, hey, can you perform this? Like, we'd love to have you at Emo Night. And I was so proud of that because, you know, New metal to me, it's like I feel like we Trojan horse it. You know what i mean like we, we got a new metal band mm-hmm. in on a, on emo night and that's that's honestly why we let off with payday if anyone's listening that hasn't heard the song you know uh i wanted it to be communal and or inclusive i should say and um i think it just was the most accessible song that could speak to the most amount of people and i'm, I'm both passionate about big trash the band but i'm really passionate about this community and this culture of new metal you know, and I just want to bring it to as many people as possible, especially this new gen, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it definitely has. I mean, it's it's immediate party vibes, immediate good vibes, you know, and and as we were saying when we talked about it on the show a few weeks ago, like, uh, who cannot relate to payday? The ultimate the, day, it, you know?
3: I remember getting my check from my job, going to get in line, and it was like Friday. It was just like this huge line hit the bank, and I'm just like... Number one, I should really look into direct deposit. And then number two, it's like, we're all like, got to make it count. Got to make it count. And Payday, that song to me also, when I think about it, I'm like, what you're saying is like, you can truly splash out at any level. Like, you don't, it doesn't need to be Bentleys and private jets when it could be like crown and cokes for the table baby let's go
2: baby and dude (laughs) absolutely you guys get it so much and and i don't see the punchline of the hook right you know put your hands up you got this money but if you don't got any money we don't give a fuck you got your hands up you know and and that's right and um yeah i just wanted it to be like you know for everybody and i really want this go around for new metal to be for everybody and i think that's what's beautiful about the this the community of new metal is like there's just so many pockets to it and it's just uh you know I've definitely seen with the emo revival it become kind of elitist and 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 cloudy and uh, clouty with a t and and sort of like this I don't know like I I just I'm really passionate I work with you know I am good friends with Holiday Kirk who I think you guys are buddies with and obviously we oh, yeah. do yeah. it's like yeah. you know we just want everybody to be welcome and so I thought Payday was uh I actually got the idea from 50 Cent of all people cuz uh I was talking to 50 Cent for work one time and and he was saying what in the club you know when he got the Dre deal and he got the Eminem deal. He's like, dude, I'm not going to mess this up. You know, I'm going to try to make the biggest song ever. And he's like, every single night in the club, it's somebody's birthday. And it always stuck with me. And I was like, man, what is something that could just unite everybody? Everybody. Good e- Lord. You know,
3: I've heard that song a trillion times and it's never like been that moment of like, oh my God. Yeah. It's always, it's always, something. always, there, it is somebody always, somebody the club birthday. is always celebrating their birthday I have never thought about that until this moment. It's like, yeah, that's why that song's even more ubiquitous because somebody's like, hey, Shorty, it's my birthday. That's- yeah. I'm telling you. I'm that's telling right.
1: you. Oh, uh, wow. That's that's really canny. I mean, but also, as you say that, I, I'm now thinking about the last, yeah, 20, I 20 heard years. It two days ago.
3: Yeah. Coming from a speaker on top yeah. of a rooftop Yeah. for a club later that I'm evening. Telling you. And it's like,
1: yeah, there it is. There it is. And. As as long as capitalism persists, payday will also persist. So I think you got a finger on the pulse there. There you go. But then,
3: but then there's going to be a remix where it's like someone is, everybody's going to have their hands up, and then I'm going to be like whispering underneath. And if you have no money, everybody with money has their hands up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just I need like the Prowler version. Where it's like yeah, yeah baby, you got your hands up. I got yeah. them pockets in. <laughs> <laughs> I got them hands in them pockets. That's right. Um, Your next so we track are- is called Sticky Fingers, and that's about problem. I like <laughs> there that. <it> is. These <laughs> ideas are free. I throw these Matt's around. Matt's going to manage no. the
2: band. <laughs>
1: there so it is. Right? Perfect. So we are talking about Ozfest this, uh, today on the show. And, Kevin, uh, you were boots on the ground at Sick New World.
2: I was. Yeah, I was. Yeah, were
1: you there as – were you doing coverage? Were there as a fan, both?
2: Well, yeah, I was working there, but it was actually kind of funny because – um. It, uh, new metal bands are, are interesting, and I was having a long talk about. It. I thought you guys might get a kick out of this, is because I was trying to throw a party that night, and I was trying to book a bunch of people, and um, the money that these guys wanted was like crazy compared to like what I would pay, you know, somebody in the alternative or like emo scene, you know. And I thought about mm-hmm. it, and I was like, man, these guys were the last genre to really, at least in rock, to really benefit from like the CD boom, right? And yes. so these two yeah, are absolutely. paid, bro you know, you got a hit on like, you know, you, if you had a hit in 2006, like bless their heart. But like, you know, that was a hit because of LimeWire, right? And you weren't getting paid off mm-hmm. that hit necessarily. And so w- my point being is what was funny about behind the scenes, at sick new world was, dude, the, the itinerary of interviews that we had booked, I was there with um, Amazon Music. I was like, dude, this is crazy. Like, I'm gonna, like, this is like the biggest names, bro. Everyone dropped out, uh, except for Chevelle. so so i did get to hang out with Chevelle, and uh they're awesome dudes and and very smart guys actually um articulate guys but um i got the vibe boots on the ground that these dudes man they're so paid they're so made it was like yeah we're just doing the show bro and even the press time was like a little like chill like in terms of like festivals that i've worked for you know music shit and um we saw scooter scooter oh scooter warden from cold is a a good friend and he stopped by and um and Kitty was back there. Jay Gordon, Jay Gordon, bro. Holiday hey. won't say it. No no, 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 no. Hey for Jay Gordon. Holiday won't say it, but I'll defend my boy, Holiday Kirk. Jay Gordon stiffed the press tent. Man, said he was gonna do it and stiffed the press tent. But I don't know what he had going on. Maybe mm. something happened. Wow. Um, Eating well, treats.
1: He, I mean, hey, you know, I mean, also he's. Uh, I mean, he, he's got. I feel like this is like a new relaunch of Orgy this year. Like he's already teased. I know we heard a song, Matt, earlier this we year did. that was like I think was pitched as a little bit of the old and a little bit of the new. And that seems like Which is he always was like, what
3: you say when you gotta put food on your family. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're gonna hear something that you're gonna be like, I recognize that, but it's not gonna be so much that it's the exact same song. Absolutely. Absolutely. Also, I mean I gotta say, Jay
1: Gordon. I've seen Orgy live. I saw them open for Filter a few years ago, and the level of like he's still doing the full look, and that look in the Nevada Heat, you know, he might have he might have just been all drippy after his set, and he was like, I can't go in that tent. I can't have Kevin see me like this. I'm just all drippy, you know.
2: Yeah, I think you're onto something, Laura. Yeah, Yeah, the last
3: look you want is melted candle. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Yeah. When you were at Sick New World, did you happen to even get a peek at the air-conditioned bathrooms that we've been hearing so much about?
2: No, but I had the, air, I had the, you know, the privilege of the air-conditioned press tent backstage. And i gotta, I okay. got to give a shout-out to anybody listening who was there in GA, because I don't know how you did it. I mean, it was hot, bro. I took a break before Deftones. I really had to take a break. And honestly, we were supposed to throw a party that night, like I said. And I think because of the heat, um, everyone just went to bed. And you know what else was interesting about Sick New World that I think is kind of an interesting boots-on-the-ground story is, and it speaks to new metal, is so many of these bands, and maybe this is for better or for worse, but they're almost cults of personality unto themselves, right? Like Deftones, Korn, System. Those are kind of like, you know, they're all under the same umbrella, but they're different sort of uh, communities. And um, it was crazy to see, and this is no detriment to any of these bands, but like after Deftones performed, dude, like an exodus of Deftones T-shirts, right? I'm talking like thousands. Mm. Uh, after corn, mm-hmm. an Exodus of corn t-shirts, you know, and that's no, to no detriment of say a system who's headlining the deal. But I thought that was really interesting where there were so many different pockets and then they did a great job with the stages. It was a little tough to get around just cause it was a, you know, it was a whole block in Vegas, but um, you know, there it felt like there was like a real goth vibe, you know, on the sick or the mm-hmm. spiral stage. And then more of, you know, the mainstream vibe obviously on the bigger stages, but um, I definitely felt something you could probably only feel if you were there. I'm a rap rock guy. You know, I'm definitely on the hip-hop side. You know, like I had to see body count. Um, I was that type of mm-hmm. festival goer. Not a lot of that energy. A lot of goth energy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something to think about. I don't know if you guys ever think about this, but like, what becomes of this new metal 2.0 movement that's happening right now? And what does it look like compared to 1.0? And I thought that was just interesting. It was it was a lot of goth new metal um vibe in terms of the the fashion and and maybe the the audience i'm not speaking for everyone.
3: you know me i've been i've been trying to aim this truck squarely at goth industrial for a (laughs) long time
1: (laughs) yeah um yeah i mean i feel like we we get sent a decent amount of stuff that has something of a goth industrial tinge to it but i don't know how much new stuff we've necessarily been sent matt that you would say is like i get it a little
3: bit more than you because of my industrial past Yeah. But, like, the new stuff is is very, very different in terms of, like, like, if I say ministry, everybody's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, we know ministry. Right. If I say, like, I I liked V&V Nation for a while, then it's like, well, nobody's making that shit anymore. Nobody wants to fucking (laughs) hear that at all. (laughs) If I'm like, I liked KMFDM, it's like, okay, well, KMFDM is going to be who they are forever. But then there's, like, but since then, there's, like, 150 newer bands that are doing, well, we're the KMFDM, but instead of, like, the guitar sound, we use this. And it's like, okay, well, I don't know what to do with that. I haven't, mm. you know, like, so I get a little bit of it, but I can tell you this. It is most certainly aggressive. <laughs> That's right. That is right. Definitely most certainly aggressive. But you with give the- me a pair of new rocks, I'll be out there. Just <laughs> as for the real industrial kids where it's like. Oh, were those those boots with platform shoes with springs that you could see visibly through them? Oh yes.
1: I had a few more questions in regards to just the uh, the overall um, cusp of your day job, yeah, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, please. Um, so you are you How are. Do we
3: get one and I what's mean, for it one? Like?
1: Yeah, yeah. We want to get in there too. When you're dealing with the bigger names of everything, and I know I feel like things have really shifted. Definitely in the last 20 years, as far as I mean, I don't I mean, everyone knows like access is completely different now because you know, somebody famous can just hop on Instagram live and chat with everybody one-to-one. And so a lot of those barriers that used to be between famous people and, you know, their fans has really broken down. Have you found in your time period that you've been in the industry, like are, are people more chill, or are you still like you you see somebody on Instagram Live and they're like, oh, that guy seems like really cool, and then you meet him in person and it's like all the front still doing, you know, he's, he's got his one way and he's got his other way. Or do you feel like people are truly being more real with well, the world?
2: I think it's a great question, Lauren. And, uh, I always answer this with like a caveat because everyone's going to be nice to me, right? I can play your records on the radio. You're going to be on mm-hmm. television with me. You want a nice rapport. You want me to be cool to you, you know, et cetera. And so mm-hmm. people are yeah. largely pretty cool. I find that the people that blow up quick, where there's not a lot of foundation or substance they're usually like the dickheads mm. and they're usually like the ah. people that you know i've rarely met a huge name i mean i'll give you i'll give you a great story and uh it kind of shows off my new jersey manners and lack thereof is uh we went to madison super garden one night to tell ed sheeran that he was going number one for the first time in his career on billboard maybe his second time it was with beyonce um on perfect and so we're back there and they're setting up the shot and i guess uh the couch wasn't in the right move or whatever so like last thing i'm doing is moving the couch right i'm there to talk to ed i don't give a shit and ed sheeran bro helps the camera guys move the couch and that's ed sheeran that's like you know billion streams whatever and just couldn't have been cooler couldn't have been more cordial and that's one of the biggest artists in the world versus you know not naming names necessarily but there's just people where you never know what people are going through in their personal lives but like just like you know, people that have a viral hit or think they're the shit or whatever. And, and then, you know, that type mm-hmm. of behavior in any line of work. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I will say the the, the the guy who definitely hated me the most for whatever reason was Wiz Khalifa. There mm-hmm. is, if, if anybody wants something to like, you know, watch late at night when they're falling asleep is some cringe ass interview. Uh, me and Wiz Khalifa on the Build series, which was a talk show I did in New York in like the late 2010s. I made a joke in the green room about something he said on a radio show that morning. And I think, and his buddies kind of laughed and I thought, he, I think he may have thought I was like trying to clown him, but I swear to God I wasn't. And, uh, bro, he, I would ask him questions about music. He's like, I don't want to talk about the music. The music speaks for itself. And then I'd be like, okay, well, you're really into MMA or boxing now. And he's like, I'm here to talk about my music. And so it was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, wow. it was ridiculous. So he, he was, a uh, he was a little cold to me. And then, um, also, uh, the only time that someone has had to apologize to me was, um, the dude in Twenty One Pilots. There's only two of them, not the drummer, but right. the main singer. Okay. Um, but everyone else is like pretty. In, everyone else is pretty cool, though. Um, I would say. Good. All right.
1: I like to. Hear that. I, I, I'm glad I, uh, to hear that. We uh we haven't had a ton of interaction with um with famous people, but um for the most part, everybody's been pretty good. I did do way back in the day when I was in college. I helped a public access show interview people at Comic Con. And I got to experience um, the full spectrum of uh, sci-fi people egos. I mean, there were some people that I was like, "Well, this this is like." I met a uh, James Doohan from Star Trek, and he was uh, he was not doing great at that point in his life. He was, <laughs> James like, his, not his, his doing health, great. <laughs> James not doing great. Yeah, his health was not in the best place, but he was still like the nicest person ever. Uh, and then there was some guy from. Uh, I want to say like, oh, it was the doctor from uh, Star Trek Voyager. He was having none of our shit. He thought we were a bunch of idiots. And he was like, how long do I have to do this before I can get out of this room? And I was like, just like holding the boom mic and just like talking to people. And then also I remember uh, I met briefly Adam West in like a, a threshold dr- d- doorway. He was just walking through with his manager. And he was just like, gentleman. And we were like, oh, wow, this guy. You can tell this guy, fucking legend right here. Totally. This dude, the real dude. The- we couldn't even, he, yeah, we couldn't even get him like in the room. Like he had some contract or something and we were like too small fry, but he was still like, you know, we, we were like, we get it. We understand. Original Batman. Yeah. We That's
2: Uncle it. Batman over he there. He had to protect yeah, Gotham, absolutely. dude. He was probably on call. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Adam was always on call.
3: He's like, I am ready to climb up the side of a building right now and. If Sammy Davis Jr. pops his head out the window, I'm all in. Oh yeah, no, I mean he was he was outside like
1: killing some smokes with his manager. Like they were, yeah, burning Um, heaters, burning heat. Oh yeah, they were. Oh yeah, they're melting down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Just chucking darts. I remember we met Lou Ferrigno, and the guy who was running the whole public access thing convinced Lou Ferrigno to help with some sketch (laughs) that they were writing or something. Oh no. And but oh, Lou Ferrigno no. is um is is hard of hearing and he has hearing aids and they explained it twice to him what the premise was, and he only sorta got it. And then I remember they were just like filming and everyone's and he's just like yelling his lines at my buddy, and we're like, and I remember afterwards the guy goes, Well, that's the take. That's the only one we're gonna get. Like, that's all <laughs> Lou's giving us. And I was like, All right, okay. And then yeah, that I think eventually did air on a east lansing public access in like 2002 so if you were there you might know what i'm talking about those were the college days um, i'd went to school in the upper peninsula of michigan but my best friend a bunch of my best friends all went to michigan state and they were involved in some public access stuff there so when i would come down for the summer we'd all meet up and that summer they were like we're going to comic-con we're going to interview everybody
2: there and i was like all right let's do it up is this um, is this a pre or post no sex radio marathon college
1: days this would have been in the middle of that okay so, oh, yeah. Deep so good. Yeah. I'm yeah. yeah i'm on road coach, coach yeah. baby that's it yeah <laughs> the, the, the note it's so funny this summer so the summer 2023 so 20 years ago was the summer 2003 greatest summer of my life indeed where no sex accidentally ran on a loop on the college radio station because i didn't know how to use the programming as i think i mentioned on that episode yeah they um this girl I was working with, she came in, she goes, She goes, You guys play that no sex song on the radio station a lot. And I was like, Like how much? She's like, Like
3: back to back? I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I should fix that. That 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 yeah. might be too much. The traffic there is super pissed off. Like what the fuck, man? You can't many you tr- <laughs> you play the same song a million times. There's other songs. We have no um, sponsors, but still. <laughs>
1: uh yes uh I still I think of, I think of that time I think of that time often this week we are talking about Ozfest 2001 the second millennium this is I think this is either the third or fourth of the ozfest comps that was released in the early 2000s actually it's the third the original one was called ozfest live which came out in 1997 and then they did something called ozfest second stage live in 2001 that was a double disc. That represented OddFest 2000. And now we have this one, OddFest 2001, the second millennium. This was released on August 14th, 2001.
3: Wow, that would be a pure heat of it. He, he, think of heat of it? Heat heat of it. Of it. It's, it's it. now the heat dude, of it because it's summer About 20. Adam
2: West heaters, dude. I'm thinking it's in the heaters. Uh, This
3: would be a Thick of It record. Definitely way close to the end of the Thick of
2: It. Well, this is, I mean, you guys invented the Thick of It, by the way. So, giving you your flowers. But I would would argue this is Twilight. I mean, this is like, you know, not to bring up a sore subject, but like, you know, this is like the final months before a big change in American society in September of 2001. And uh, yeah, so this is, I would say this is kind of Twilight.
3: Ooh, twilight of the thick of it i kind of like, th-
1: like that, that. Yeah. unfortunately
3: does sound like a metalcore band but yeah mm-hmm. twilight of the thick of <laughs> it is uh yeah.
1: listen i saw twilight of the thick of it play second stage at warp tour <laughs> they sucked okay <laughs> <laughs> they were more focused on jumping and less focused on the riffs all right yeah um, well
3: revenge of it a- is a dish was really good on that
1: tour. <laughs> <order. laughs> oh yeah those great band great band great band great band good guys yeah Yeah, yeah. good guys good guys good guys so i gotta say the turnaround time on this record fucking incredible recorded june 9th and june 11th 2001 out august 14th wow they had those tapes they sent them in they said get these ready we want these on the streets i don't even want summer to be over yet before you get this in your hands impressive
3: I i want these on sale the last
1: Ozfest. Like, yeah basically producer on this album sharon osborne oh did all of us scream sharon in our heads sharon. in ozzy's voice because i did ah uh, that was i mean that's that's another core uh, college memory because yeah the osborne's that's this is the thick of the osborne's yeah, oh yeah that all the time now kevin you're a little younger than us so 2001 how old are you
2: 2001 i'm nine turning 10 Okay. I'm an October baby. So, so you, yeah, I'm like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty young. I mean, I'm like at this point, like I'm mm-hmm. aware of new metal through wrestling. I was a massive WWF kid. And then you're no kicked out of the end. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> you are. <laughs> um, so <I> was, <laughs> that's amazing. I um, can't <laughs> stop the it. cough at the end, like uh, sent me, um, but, um, yeah, so I'm like aware of it through WWF and then obviously TRL. But but like with respect to real heads, I probably I probably become aware of OzFest when they do the and here's a here's a deep cut. The Battle of Ozfest. We wanna talk MTV reality shows, bro. Summer oh four. Oh shit. It was like the it was like uh you had to compete or something like that. To get onto Ozfest, but that's when I probably get aware of Ozfest. So uh, I'm 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 eight nine years old and and I'm I have no idea what's going on with Ozfest at this point in real time.
1: Okay, I I was not familiar. Or this was not ringing a bell. I'm Googling this now. Battle for Ozfest. Yeah, autumn two thousand four. Eight bands battle it out in a series of challenges to win a spot on the Ozfest stage. Twelve episodes. Oh, I ahead. was just going to say,
2: <laughs> the only thing I remember about that show is there was some guy, I think, that gets kicked off or kicked out of the competition because he brings underage girls on the bus. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes, I remember oh. this. Yes, I remember this. That's the That's only, part, the only I part I remember, I remember.
3: And they checked their IDs, too, I think. And it was still like, yeah, don't, just don't. Bad bring move. Anybody. Still a bad it's move. Bad move. They did this one. is like, are you girls of age? And they're like, sure, <laughs> sure. Mhm. Yeah, can you drink? Yeah, of course I can. <laughs> Drinking all day. Oh, I love booze. <laughs> it's the best.
1: So it doesn't look like they included that fun detail in the wiki. It looks like it's uh pretty dry here. It looks like it could use an update, but they list six of the bands, seven of the bands that were on it. I like these names here. Trauma Concept, <laughs> Six Deep, Guilt by Association, Ooh, Final name. Drive. Beyond all reason, cinder with a y, which later they changed their name to curse your name. I think they should wait cinder. a second
3: cinder c y n d e r yes s y n d
1: no c y yeah oh, and okay. not to be confused with cinder from killer instinct, correct and then uh mantis with two ends, and then the winner was the band A Dozen Furies. Um, Love those guys. They were a metalcore <laughs> band. Many, how
3: many How many Furies? Uh, at dozen. least a dozen. At <laughs> least a dozen. Dude, you got so many Furies coming at you. <laughs> yeah. Prepare yourself for 12 of them. Yeah,
1: they had one album called A Concept from Fire, which came out in 2005. They disbanded in 2006, and it says here members have gone in different directions while still remaining
3: friends. Good for them. Well, Bucky, Mark, Joey... Keith and Mike, I hope you guys are doing well. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ozfest 2001,
1: you've got Sharon Osbourne. I, it says producer, so I have to believe Sharon Osbourne behind the boards, moving the moving the sliders, moving oh, yeah. the volume I'm knobs, picture. getting everything set up. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Um, picture pot perfect. That's Sharon mm. Osbourne.
1: I guess this is pre The View, but I love the idea of her like working on The View and then being like, or was she the View or was she the Talk? Was she the Talk? Gosh, I don't know Sharon Osbourne's whole uh, job thing. I just I wish uh, I had
3: a device where I could find out where uh, Matt, Sharon Osbourne... If
1: only, if only, hold on, let me see here. Looking at Sharon Osbourne here. So she, it was the talk. I stand corrected. She was never on the view. She was on the talk. I can't believe what a mistake I've made. But I love the idea of her being on the talk and being like, listen, I got to I gotta leave early because I'm mixing,
3: I'm mixing news. She goes the to the talk s- and she's just like, you know, being a woman of a certain age is very difficult. <laughs> And then she goes in and was like, I need it more brutal.
1: <laughs> yes. Do you do you think Sharon Osborne does the Diddy style of production where she walks in, they play something, and she's like, more brutal, and then walks out of the room and then a bunch of other guys have to like hit all
3: the buttons. <laughs> and then and then she comes back to the talk and she's like, Sarah, that's a wonderful point. <laughs> Earlier I was uh, trying to activate a pit and
1: these motherfuckers and it's like, Oh, Sharon, Sharon.
3: She's like, Sarah, Uh, this is like when I had Cold Chamber and ICP feuding. (laughs)
1: Beautiful. So I have a physical copy of the CD here. Picked it Uh up from Second and Charles for sweet $3.70.
3: Ooh, what a score. Yes. Is that a Uh, DigiPack? Is that like a softbound, like it's all together? Oh, no, Matt, no, this no, is no. this it's is a jewel, jewel case. case. Well, um, I'll tell you, that jewel case presents well because...
1: I, yeah, this so. is a very... This was, I have a feeling, came off the truck, sat on the shelf, went to Second and Charles 20 years later, and then <laughs> into my hot little hands. Um, this is a very pristine copy of this album. I will say, liner notes wise, not a lot going on in here. You do have the, honestly, iconic Devil OzFest logo here on the front. I saw this on many a shirt. In the early 2000s, if you were someone who went to Ozfest but couldn't decide on one band to to rep, you could just rap them all with this one band. This one. Or I mean, this you is. You were a
3: person who didn't go to Ozfest, but know somebody who bought you a shirt. You could pretend real hard. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I had a Lollapalooza uh, shirt because my brother went to the first Lollapalooza, and all you have to do is silently be like, "Yeah, great bands," and that's it. That's all you. Have. And then know one fact. Yeah, they were throwing mud. It was crazy. Boom! That I went to Lollapalooza. Find out. You guys know that uh,
2: without Lollapalooza, we wouldn't have had Ozfest. You know that story, right? Oh, I want to hear it. I, I want to hear. I, it. I do yeah. recognize this
3: story because I felt it was like they wouldn't let these bands on. They wouldn't let Ozzy on.
2: So Sharon sees Lala pop up because obviously, like you know, when grunge hits, right? Like bad time to be Ozzy Osbourne. And so uh, Lollapalooza is like the hottest thing in the world. Perry Farrell starts that deal. And Sharon goes and goes, you, we want Ozzy. And they're like, Yeah, it doesn't really fit. And so Sharon's like, go fuck yourself. Like, it's fucking Ozzy Osborne. And so she goes and starts OzFest like two years later. So shout out Perry Farrell.
1: Honestly, I think that worked out well. I'm sure after like a year of that, Sharon was like, oh, we're making way more money. Oh, than we this made is a way Oz better Fest. deal for us. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Front yeah. end and
3: back end? Oh. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'll take this.
1: Yeah. Now, it was interesting to go through these uh, these tracks and then kind of compare it a little bit to the Tattoo the Earth Tour comp that we did last year, because there is a little bit of overlap, but it definitely feels like there may have been some lessons taken from that one as far as uh, getting these 16 tracks to us as quickly as possible. I will say they, they really kind of nixed the banter on this, uh, on this comp. They're really just like, you came here for the songs. Let's get to these songs. We have some genre tags here, heavy metal, new metal, and hardcore punk. All 16 were recorded at two dates, the Alpine Valley Music Theater date in Milwaukee, Wisconsin on June 9th, 2001, and at Deer Creek Amphitheater in East Troy, Wisconsin on June 11th, 2001. I'm sure you probably have this in your notes as well, Kevin, but I went into a setlist.fm and... Um, a lot of great people did uh, maintain some set lists here, so we have, we'll have we have some context of where some of these songs showed up for these bands as they performed. Do we have any other thoughts, opinions on this before we dive well, in? You know
2: what, uh, what struck me is when you think about, uh, and this may have been strategic at the time, but I was surprised by the lack of, like, hit singles on this. Like, if you think about a Family Values 99, I mean, they're giving you mm-hmm. the hits. I mean, like Mud Shovel's on there, Falling Away From Me's on there, Nookie's on there, right? Welcome to the Fold's on there. Clearly, I listen to that CD a lot. and uh, But with this one, mm-hmm. it was known songs, but not like the big songs of the moment. You know, it's like, we'll get to, you know, I don't want to, sp- no spoiler alert on the track list, but some big bands, but maybe not the radio single of that summer.
1: Yeah, that is, I have to believe... The thought process that Sharon was having was, you already know the singles, you know what's hot, and let we're going to deep cut it for a lot of these. Now, there are a couple where it seemed like you couldn't do any other song but this one, and we'll get to that. But, I mean, yeah, for the most part, yeah, there's a, there's a couple on here where I was like, interesting choice, especially when you see the set list and think you could have gone with any of these other ones. Well- uh
2: there's yeah. no uh, not to speak over you Lauren, but I, I i took it a different way i thought this is like the cd boom era and these bands were like no you want last resort you're gonna buy the album you know you mm-hmm. want crawling right. yeah. you're gonna buy hybrid theory you know we'll give you this other song though on this i thought it was more political
1: you know it might it might have been political as well i mean it's just i'm looking at it also as just the um the 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 Sharon Osbourne power level of two thousand one. I feel like she might she might have been at some level of a peak because she's got she's running the show on MTV, she's basically running Ozfest. This is Ozfest peak, so you know maybe she is just thinking like we are, this is going to make us stand out. Is we're not going to have the songs that you would normally expect. We're gonna be, we're gonna go with the deeper cuts.
2: Did you ever hear the story of when you Sharon know? pulled the plug on Biscuit? I don't think so. Let me hear that one. So uh, I used to work in 92.3 K-Rock in New York, and the um, station's gone away now. But uh, they had a summer concert, Dysfunctional Family Picnic, that uh, I think is one of the best biscuit sets of all time. It's where Fred Durst calls out Scott Stapp, start the whole thing. It's kind of a new story. Yes. Mm, yes. So it's that concert. So Matt Pinfield, shout out Matt Pinfield, uh, he introduces him. And then it was all like this whole fiasco. Like basically, that venue is in New Jersey. It's kind of down the Jersey Shore. It's an absolute bitch to get to from Manhattan. And so Biscuit was late, which caused the Scott Stapp issue. Because Scott Stapp, I don't know. Everyone had to get moved around because Biscuit was late. And so then Biscuit went long during their set, and Sharon Ozzy was headlining. Pulled the plug on Biscuit's set.
1: Wow! Like literally,
2: like not proverbially. Like literally was like, no mas. Wow! Turn them off. Wow. Yeah.
1: Well, we are going to get into some biscuit beef on this album, sure are. so this is perfect. Perfect timing. Well, then let's let's dive in. Kick off Ozfest 2001, the second millennium. We have Black Sabbath and their song "The Wizard."
3: Oh, you know it's a live album now.
1: Oh yeah.
4: Have you all had fun today?
0: This is 6 years now Ozfest, man. Show <laughs> me <making> another 6. And that is 6. 6! <Six>. 6! <laughs> <Six. Six. laughs> <Six. laughs>
3: I think they chose the wizard because of that awesome intro that he did because, you know, that was pretty great. We got the six more years. We got the six, six, six underneath chant. That's pretty great. Or because the harmonica is so fucking metal, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we got
1: it. I think we got it because he said... He said offhandedly, see if you remember this fucking song, which doesn't sound like a comment to the the audience so much as to To someone he's beefing with in the band. Like They were rehearsing, and he was like, we should do the song The Wizard, and Geezer's like, is that on our first Uh, album? Which one? And he's like, you know the fucking song. You fucking, ah, I'm going solo again. Like That whole, that tossed off line, I was like, what a way to set a tone this is the one they went with and i looked it up this was a mid this is a mid set performance so it's not even like they're going to open with with like w- the way they open the set with something real hot they're like no 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 we'll uh we'll
3: not just coming have in this. hot with war pigs or iron man well by no, the no, way no. they've put out five other OzFest albums right at this point <laughs> so, uh like- yeah true well well at this
1: point this is number 3 so um so let me see. What did they... They're not even... There's no... This was, I think, the first time that it was uh, Black Sabbath at OzFest. So on the previous one, it was Ozzy solo stuff. So yeah, they were like, okay... So that is particularly
3: why. weird that they weren't like, and here's Paranoid. Let's go. Like, like Let's really get everybody who's going to buy this album to buy this album. Let's do the Wiz... <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, Kevin, how'd you feel about this one? Well, I thought it was uh, I, uh, the bluesiest open to a new metal album that I'd ever heard. And um, <laughs> I also wanted to ask you guys, is this the first new metal album you've ever reviewed on Roach Coach that opens with a harmonica?
1: Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I was in my car and I was like, oh, harmonica.
3: We meet. I heard the harmonica and instantly thought a freight train was coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'll grab my bindle. It's time to get on the road, boys. That's
1: right. <laughs> Honestly, this song sounds like it is in being performed in the sun. It's very sloppy. They're they're really just in it, sludging it up. And also it's just fun to know that they decided we're gonna kick this off with a song that's about a wizard. He uses his magic to encourage people he encounters. I did not realize that it was such an uplifting message type of song. Geezer Butler once said that the lyrics were influenced by Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. Hmm. So there you go. I feel so right away, getting crazy. Getting crazy in the pit. <laughs> I mean the thing that the thing with Ozzy, I who I've never seen live, but I've seen so much live footage of is that his show seems to be more of a spectacle first, sound second kind of situation. So he's going to have giant monster things. He's obviously going to be, you know, in his heyday biting the heads off of things. Uh, But then also he's going to be throwing buckets of water um, onto the audience. And uh, I like the, the sort of low tech scale of just a bucket of water. You know, now we're in an era where, you know, like you have Steve Aoki throwing like a cake at people and stuff. But Ozzy back in the day, he's like, I need one bucket full of H2O and I've got a show. And a show he had. A show he had. So sludgy start. Sludgy start. but That's okay. Next up, a very controversial gentleman. Somebody we have not talked about in a long time on the show. It's Marilyn Manson with The Love Song. with you. What's your Marilyn Manson relationship?
2: Um we've haven't talked ever. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I believe, is what we would call our relationship. <laughs> but uh I think what jumps out to me about Manson specifically on this tour. Well first off, I think what we should note is I believe he's kicked off the tour or drops off the tour in June. I don't think he completes the tour in 01. Um, and I forget why. But this is late-era Manson. I mean, this is like post-Hollywood Manson. Uh, and that album, if if anybody remembers, completely flopped. Um, and I think what's Mm -hmm. interesting, at least like from a historical perspective, is Eminem, not New Metal, but Eminem really (laughs) like dethrones him as like the shock artist of the moment. And I think that's why Shock Rock had such a I mean, anything shocking, right? Shock jocks on the radio. it it, it has a a bright flame and then it dies quickly. Uh, If you think about Manson, I mean, just four years prior, I mean, he closes the VMAs in back-to-back years in 97, 98. Uh, There's protests outside uh, his concerts. There's actually protests on this tour in 2001 um, uh, for Manson or against Manson. And so those are two different people, though. I mean, he is really like, you know the antichrist of american uh, youth culture in 1997 1998 and especially like the moment for manson for me is mechanical animals you know that's like the zenith and yeah. then there's a pretty oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. there's a pretty drastic fall off to ho- uh, hollywood excuse me just two years later and i mean this is this is i mean you could argue this is late era new metal boom and this is real late era manson
1: yeah, it's funny is that at the time I was I was a, a pretty big fan. I was definitely a big fan of the Mechanical Animals album, and I remember when Hollywood dropped, it felt like a weird sort of retrenchment of like he Hollywood didn't hit how he wanted it to, and so he's like, I guess I'll go back
3: to what I was You're doing. Mechanical before. Animals didn't hit the way that yeah, Mechanical. It I'm
1: sorry, yeah, Mechanical Animals didn't hit, and so he was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta retrench this, and then, uh. Just do what I was doing before, but at a lesser... Because it's like, you can only write Beautiful People once. So then it's like, here's not quite the Beautiful People again with... Um, God, what was that called? Disposable Teens, I think was the mm-hmm. single. And I remember this was still like prime... Because I think Hollywood's like 2000, right? Yeah, Fall yes, 2000. 2000. Yeah, Fall 2000. So there were like... When that album came out, it was like one of those big uh, CD Tuesdays that I still think back on fondly where... You know, you go to Best Buy and you just get like a stack and they're all like eight to ten, you know, price to move. And um I'm Lost Leading. loss leading, baby. And there was uh, there was a report I wanna say I want to say it was an MTV report. Uh, they were just breaking down how everybody charted that week. And I remember everybody had these big number ones, number twos, number threes. And then they go, and Marilyn Manson premiered at a very spooky number 13. And I was like, hmm, okay. where oh, you want to appear. Think? Yeah. Now, I do recall there being sort of like a he's back and he's hot again with Golden Age of Grotesque in 03. Because I think that album did go number one. But it definitely was diminished returns after that for me as a listener. And obviously now with everything that he's had going on, I, I don't really even listen to his music anymore, honestly. But I mean, during that time period, though, it was definitely somebody who was like, I'm still trying to figure this out. And and I think when you bring up Eminem, it's very apt av- because I always think about the Way I Am video where Eminem makes a reference to Manson and Manson shows up in it and he's in the back and he does this point and Manson puts his arm out, arms out. And I think the thought process was I'm getting a cosign here, but I've always viewed that as Remember this guy?
2: Well <laughs> and Manson going, Remember me? I'm still around. Have you hi have you guys ever heard the Manson remix of that song? No. Oh I have never heard the Manson how remix. They, is this, a, do is that. it allowed? No. Is it allowed like a bonus track on a Roach Coach episode? Bonus bonus. Can it up the people at home? Yeah. This we can do that. The production on this is so ill. This is like one of my, you know, all the, you know, controversy aside, separating the the, the artist from the man. uh, This is a dope ass song. All right, here we go.
0: Drake, just let it run. Hey, yo, turn the beat up a little bit. Hey, yo. This song is for anyone. Fuck it i been listening. Hey, yo. I sit back with this pack of zigzags and this bag of this weed. It gives me the shit needed to be the most some MC on the sea on this earth and since birth I've been cursed with this curse to just curse and just blur this berserk and bizarre shit that works and it sells and it helps in itself to relieve all this tension dispense and these sentences get in this dress that's been eating me recently off of this chest and I rest again peacefully, peacefully Ooh,
3: got those beeps and boops
0: wait till you me hear alone. the hook man
3: wait, 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 you me me the
0: hook, out man. in the streets when I'm eating or feeding my daughter not come and speak to me I don't know you and no, I don't owe you a motherfucking thing. I'm not Mr. i I'm not what your friends think. I'm not Mr. Friendly. I can not be a brick. Cause you did me. My tank is on empty. No patience is in me. And if you a
1: I gotta say that's pretty new AF right there. Bro. Honestly. That fucking yeah.
2: rules. Again, separating the man from the artistry, but that song fucking rules.
1: Wow. There's you know what I, I go back to that old Gucci main quote where he's like, You listening to Eminem in your car with your lady? It's like, maybe this song. Yeah. <laughs> maybe this song. There you go. <laughs>
3: You pumping Eminem with
2: your lady? You know what? Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know what Manson's follow up to Ozfest 01 is though? This is kind of a fun little factoid and odd at the at the best is um hmm. his Fall 01 single is the lead single off the Not Another Teen Movie soundtrack. So he covers what? he covers um Tainted Love?
3: Yeah, I was going to say is that the Yeah, love so that's
2: book? like that's like the next thing he does. Gets his own making the video MTV episode for the lead single off that soundtrack and again, no disrespect that movie rules. I mean, uh, you know, when you're nine and it comes out, it definitely rules. Um, but Mm -hmm. if you just think about like, I mean, dude, he was like the number one guy in youth culture in 97, 98. And like, now he's doing a lead single for kind of like a B level teenage raunch comedy. I mean, the, the the fall off is pretty steep, dude. No one for Manson, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, at the same time, he's, uh, You know he's he's got a lot of people. He's got to put a lot of food on his Manson family. Yeah, he does. And I mean,
3: I was there for peak Manson because, like, during my industrial goth industrial path, like he came in right at the same time, and I wasn't a big fan. He always he always the theatrics that he had were not the things that I was super into, but like I had a lot of respect. For like I loved um I loved his sweet dreams remake. Cause I was like, okay, that's great song. Totally. And then he really, really made it his own. And then um, I mean, beautiful people, I think is an undeniable track. Iconic. Holds. Yeah, it's like you hear those drums and you're like, this rules. And then when he I saw him on the Mechanical Animals tour and he was phenomenal. Like that stage show was awesome. But he still had a lot of the Antichrist superstar stuff on stage. So like he'd come out like with the full androgynous outfit, the boots and everything like that, and then he'd be singing. And then, oh, by the way, let's uh let's go back to this <laughs> this pulpit where I pretend that I'm a puppet, and I'm like, Oh, and I still have the stilts, so I guess let's do the stilts. And then um I was like, okay, he really is aligning himself with. Wanting to be like the next Bowie. That's that's kind of like the vibe I was getting. So then when Hollywood came out, I was like, you can't go back and be the creepy guy again. Right. Like, you have to do another mechanical animal. Like, be the androgynous thing again. Refine it and make it your own again. Because, like, mechanical animals, I don't believe performed well when it launched. Or it launched really well and then it was a steep turnoff. Because a lot of people were like, this isn't Antichrist Superstar, like it is, it wasn't that gritty, ugly, dirty album that Antichrist Superstar was. But I was like, music fucking slaps. It's like really good.
2: So yeah, yeah. Well, and you could you could almost argue. I mean, such a huge part of the history of new metal is obviously covers, right? And reinterpreting right. you know pop songs. You kind of argue like the first person to do that on a real mainstream level is him with Sweet Dreams in like '96. I mean, that predates Fade, that, that predates, uh, I mean, a lot of covers. Yeah. And that, that I've heard that
3: song a trillion, it's why I bought Smells Like Children, because I never would have bought that without that on there. Although I will say to this day, Lunchbox is also a great Manson track,
2: but that's like from the first round. Oh, yeah. You know, no, absolutely. I'm not really. So. Absolutely. Now we'll wait. For, and now we'll wait for Lauren. Lauren. Look at that CD collection, man. Oh, he is—he's all about his physical media. I love it, dude. Quick shout out though to, uh, as a longtime Roach Rider, the Indigo Angel, uh, the best in the business
1: The best in the biz. Seriously, I think we're ready. I think, think to we're dive ready in to this next one. It's Slipknot with new abortion. I tell you what,
4: I want to dedicate this next fucking song
0: to all our fucking crazy maggots out here. This song is called New Abortion. Let me see your fucking hands in the air. That's right. Let me see your fucking hands on the fucking way back. All right, here we go. Here we go, motherfuckers. Hey! Hey! Hey!
3: Die! 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 Did everybody die when this happened? <laughs> Jeez, They had this...
0: That's it. They sit on my and Little of a I a Fucking great. G- great
3: incredible it's, it's incredible great. incredible the iowa uh, energy is so nuts like those guys were like uh we might not live uh, past <laughs> this so let's go
1: yeah that just energy the,
3: is nuts they
1: are previewing this is all Oz, uh, this is all iowa preview because it hasn't even dropped yet it's gonna drop in like a month or two months and uh so I mean, I got to say for that, I mean, this is – you're getting new abortion. You're going to get that before you get Iowa. So I guess that is a selling point in that regard. Um This is uh, new slipknot.
3: You got to get the Ozfest (laughs) 2001 comp. What's it called?
1: New abortion. Let me check it out. Uh, once again, though, this is a this was track seven that they played of a 12 song set. Once again, right in the middle of the set, I got to say, Corey sounds incredible, everybody sounds incredible. I think this is. This is when the album really kicked off for me because this is the best sounding mix here. I got to say, Sharon's production really came into focus here. She definitely was moving the faders right on this one. So I was uh, I was all about this. Uh, I wrote my notes. Now we're cooking. Let's fucking go. And uh, everybody, yeah, everybody doing the damn thing here. Kevin, how would you feel about this one?
2: Well, the uh, not to take, you know... Potential money off the Taylor uh, family table, or food on the Taylor families, as Roach Coach puts it. Um, but the uh, the opening riff sounds a lot like Ministry Thieves. Do you guys mm-hmm. hear that? Mm-hmm. Sounds a lot like Ministry Thieves, man, to me. That opening riff.
1: Listen, I think I think we all know that um, you can go into. We always talk about, you know, when you're stealing, you gotta steal from the best. And sometimes somebody's gonna go in your house. You got to change your locks. But if you've read Al Jorgensen's autobiography, you'll know that anyone can go in there at any given time and everyone has stolen money from him and he's furious about it, but also it's fine. <laughs> so I'm sure he heard this riff and went, sounds a lot like something I did, but uh, who can say? But everybody know.
3: knows that Thieves is the uh, boat that launched a thousand ships. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, I mean, listen, Limp Bizkit still play it apparently every show at this point, And I have no complaints really there. Well. Yeah.
2: Like, at every show, that's their thing now. Every show, Um,
1: they're just like, hey, this will
2: work. And then the other thing that uh, jumped out to me is uh, how much Corey likes to cuss and uh, and sort of the art of cussing in new metal. And it's funny, at the top of the episode, we were talking about uh, my band Big Trash just did their first show ever, and we're a new metal band, uh, but we did it at Emo Night. And my one takeaway from the show that my girlfriend pointed out, and I agree, was uh, cussed a little too much. And what stood out to me was New metal, rock, hard rock, metal. Fans love the cussing. Emo, not so much. Not so much. A little aggressive at an emo night. Uh, But I would say Corey might be. I wanted to kick it to you guys on this. We talk about Mount Rushmore a lot with bands. He might be on the Mount Rushmore for cussing in new metal history. He might be one of the best cussers. He might be. He's
1: up there. He definitely can drop... uh... He can definitely drop some incredible motherfuckers in there, and especially a screamed motherfucker, which cannot be underrated, as we all know. I still think top cusser in the in the
3: genre is Fred. I mean, for I, hot I dog alone, anybody's, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you, but you have something because with a fan base called the maggots, you can't say how are my maggots doing.
1: You yeah, say, mm-hmm.
3: how are my fucking maggots doing? It mm-hmm. sounds right.
1: Right. That's true yeah it is it is uh yeah i mean it is also there's there's an aggression level like even if you've got emo music with a certain level of aggression it is it can be a little weird if you are seeing like yeah an emo band that's really bearing their soul and then you're like how you
3: fucking doing tonight it's like whoa <laughs> wait i'm sorry what What's yeah that? because like if they if an emo band curses it's usually aimed at the internal. It's like mm-hmm.
4: i fucked up and broke her heart
3: like that's emo yeah. yeah you don't go external with emo you go internal new metals all external i'm never <laughs> fixing this this right. thing right here never no problem will ever be solved in this vessel so let's
4: <laughs> fucking go you wanna fucking go let's go that's uh,
3: that, and that's that
1: that's that difference that is, uh, anecdotally, I've been told by my cousin who saw Godsmack live that she had never heard someone say the F-word so many times in between songs than Sully Erna. She said, and literally, she's like, he's like, gonna get some fucking water right now, motherfuckers. It's like, okay, all right. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say a wicked prayer, you fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, it is true, though. I do feel like it definitely also may just be... There might be a generational shift because, as you say that, I do think back to shows, going to shows in the late '90s, early 2000s, and feeling like people just let the f bombs fly. And nowadays, yeah, I don't feel like anybody's like, you know, I got Beyonce tickets, I really doubt she's gonna come out and be like, time for cuff it, motherfuckers. I'd be like, whoa, you know, I yeah, don't think it's not gonna, gonna happen.
2: happen. I don't think it's gonna happen. The one that, uh, the one that really went over like a lead balloon was uh, we covered All Star by Smash Mouth. And, um, mm. I said, uh, you know, uh, with the shape of an L on her forehead. And then I proceeded to tell the audience to get their fucking L's up. And that did not go over well. Oh no! <laughs> yeah.
1: I, oh, no. Can I see your L's? Yeah. I mean, maybe that's how they took it. It's like, what does this guy want from me? <laughs> yeah. My L's, my, my losses? losses, my losses. Ah, oh, I, um, I didn't have
3: to go to therapy to tell you my losses. <laughs>
1: Well, we've definitely kicked it up a bit with this one. Feeling good, feeling great. Now it's time to talk about our boys, Papa Roach, and their song, Blood Brothers.
0: Coffee is damn. One, two, 1 drop off now.
1: i'm always gonna associate good yeah i always will associate this song with uh tony hawk pro skater um that's always that that started and i was like oh boy let's let's get some kickflips
3: going baby let's get some combos if i don't land Uh, this first if i don't learn land this first string of tricks we're restarting (laughs) right away (laughs) right away right away yeah i'm I'm not not gonna blowing this combo i'm gonna nose grind into an ollie into a pop shove it into a side grind into a christ air into a if i don't land this starting it over i gotta hear superman again let's go Mm -hmm. yeah
1: so uh interesting interesting to hear this one here um i mean Once again, immediately for me every time, I was like, okay, this one doesn't sound as good as Slipknot. a little thinner, but I have warm feelings to this song. The band sounds into it. I like how he gets them amped up and then brings them down, and then he thanks them for singing along. So he's really just, like, really playing the crowd, and you feel like this this also has that hunger in this performance. Like, they're really out there. Like, they're living the dream every night right now. Like, this is, like... I mean, I, I know that you know. Since then, Jacoby has gone on record about like a lot of the shit he was going through during all this kind of prime era. But he definitely feels like a guy living in the moment of his success, uh, which is exciting. This is uh, pulling up the set list. From what I can tell, this was like yeah, like the seventh song played during the set, which is once again somewhat of an unusual choice because you're going to get a band that's going to sound slightly winded on your on your live album. But uh, you know, but also world class curse in there at the beginning. Yeah. Some real good cursing up there, up top. One, two, yeah. fuck you. Come on. That's as good mm. as it gets. <laughs> that's top tier. That's top tier. Um, Kevin, do you have any Do you have any other live performances booked soon where you can work in more swearing?
2: Uh, yeah, well, um, uh, we actually um, – I don't know if you guys are familiar with Grunch Rules on social media, if you guys are friendly at all. They make like uh, – you guys probably would dig Grunch Rules. They're a party here in New York, and so they uh, they kind of make new metal memes and that such. I thought maybe you cross paths. But um going to do a party with them in July here in Manhattan, and uh, I think the cussing will go off a little bit better with the uh, New Yorkers.
1: Yeah, I mean I've definitely um... – You know, and and Matt can kind of attest to this too. When we do, you know, when you're doing these improv shows that we've been doing and how we met, you know, over the last 10 years, uh, you kind of get a feel for these audiences sometimes. And uh, we used to always joke, like, we'd do these shows at this one theater and there'd be like the early show and the late show. And um, sometimes you'd go out and you'd be dealing with these early shows and the early show was like, you'd drop an F-bomb and they're just like, well, I never I cannot believe it. What is this person doing? And you've got to recalibrate everything. And then sometimes you go into these late shows and these are people who are three drinks deep. They've been partying all night. They came to see a comedy show and they're like, I had a woman once yelling at me just like the suggestion of like butt sex. She's just like screaming anal. And I'm like, miss, I hear you. I hear you. We'll we'll make it raunchier. We understand. We understand. Um and so definitely like understanding that feeling the audience of like, what what type of audience am I dealing with here? Am I dealing with a bunch of depraved maniacs who just want me to say the F word all night? Or, or do I want people that want something a little more, a little classier, a little nicer? I've definitely dealt with both. I can say that the raunch audience, they want it super raunchy. Like they can't, it can't be raunchy enough. And what's real fun is then sometimes you go into the audience at the end to maybe like say hello to people or to give like a prize to somebody. And it's like... This couple just out for a night, and they're just like, "You guys were fucking amazing." It's like, "Whoa, okay, all right, thank you very Looks much." Looks like someone came to party. <laughs> you, you, you guys, uh, you guys aren't done yet. Okay, I'm gonna go home, take a nap. You, you guys are, you're just getting started. Well, um, I think, I think we're ready then for some big boys here. Some big boys uh, who were just who were just leveling up as this came into play. It's Linkin Park with with you. So this is, yeah, this is Linkin Park Ascendant. I've pulled up the set list from this performance. They did nine songs. They opened with Points of Authority. They closed with One Step Closer. This was the third song performed. Actually, it was Points of Authority, Paper Cut, With You. So interesting because you're kind of, we're settling in to this compilation at this point with track five. And this is also a settling in of the set here because with... A one-two punch of Points of Authority into Papercut, that's a band that's hyping them up. And now it's like, okay, now we're going to settle down for a minute. Not my favorite of the Linkin Park songs, but uh, not bad. I mean, Chester sounds like he is giving 110% out there. Really going for it. But we're in a bit of like a settling in moment here. Kevin, how'd you feel about this one?
2: Well, it's a huge fest historically for uh, Linkin Park because it's actually on their Ozfest bus that they start working on Meteora. They actually write Somewhere I Belong, the lead single off Meteora in 03, on the 01 OzFest bus, so that stuck out to me. And um, I also just wanted to give props to Chester because I think the reception of this band with this audience is a complete testament to just the power and how unparalleled Chester's vocals are to sort of overcome and maybe distract the OzFest fans from the presence of a turntable or from the presence of rapping from Shinoda where he is such an amazing incredible again unparalleled metal singer that yeah. it overpowered all of those elements where maybe like a year before or even this this summer a crazy town never had a chance
3: it cannot be overstated how much at this time the rap is crap mantra existed at a festival like this a warp tour I went to same year, was like, oh god, they're having rap. Rap is crap. Like, like they're really super creative with that. But like, that was a that was not just a, a couple words that people like. Like that was a vibe. Mm-hmm. Like that was a real thing. And Ozfest was a lot <clears throat> different than Family Values. Family Values had that. Hey, we are the generation that grew up with rap. We are the generation that likes rap and rock together. Osbath still had a lot of like metal, mm-hmm. not rap, <clears throat> metal, and rap is crap. Mm-hmm. So to yeah. to see them do what you just said is like, yeah, they. It's it, Chester is such a huge loss still, and it's like you hear his voice and it's like,
4: fuck, goddamn, yeah. <laughs>
1: goddamn, what? A, One of the best. Such
3: a talent, such a talent. It's so crazy how good yeah. they were
1: yeah um yeah I mean yeah he sounds yeah he sounds like he's given it all here um I mean, I did write my notes though like would it have been cooler to have paper cut probably, but you know um this was this was the Sharon Osbourne call, you know what and she's uh she's richer than me, so I defer I defer things are about to get a little dramatic, you guys because oh, shit. it's time for Zach Wild's black label society and their song super terrorizing. Amen. Mm-hmm.
3: Rash Lockmore on the guitar? Is that uh... a...
1: This is the first song I've heard on the album, and honestly, the first song I think we've done on the show, maybe ever, that sounds like it also could work being on the side of a van. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is... This is honestly my first experience with Zach Wild's Black Label Society. He is somebody that I've always been aware of. He's somebody that I remember I felt like rock radio, Matt. Maybe you could back me up on this, like Z-Rock and stuff like that in Detroit in the late 90s, mid 90s. They would talk about Zach Wild, but they would never play Zach Wild. He would come into town and they would sponsor the shit out of his shows, but they would never play any songs by this guy so i didn't even know if he sang or not and i guess he does sing uh i wrote in my notes here that his singing here seems very secondary and it seems like he really just wants to riff and yell yeah motherfucker a lot into a mic that doesn't really seem to be turned up and that when he does actually get into vocals it's big stp cracker man (laughs) vibes which is not at all what i expected i was like oh so this is what they sound like okay yeah, this seems like very throwbacky. Um, it's like stoner metal meets honestly like dime bag level theatrics, which I mean hearing this, I was like, no wonder he's like on the Pantera tour. Like, yeah, this is he's clearly like a peer. Like this is the same sort of genre of riffing. But this does feel yeah, I don't know, this just feels very old to me in a way that all this other stuff feels I don't know, a lot of this other stuff on here, obviously we do this show for seven years now, so it's, you know, all of it still is very fresh to me, but there's like a vintageness to some of it, a nostalgia, and to this, this just sounds dusty to me. I don't know, like, I, 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 probably because I have no real history with it, but it just sounds very, very, it feels old in 2001, is what I think I'm trying to say. Like, I'm like, you're there. Linkin Park's over there scratching it up, rapping. You've got uh, Papa Roach doing rap and rock, doing all this stuff. Slipknot, Slipknot. just knot. caused a thousand people to die. Exactly. They're cleaning the bodies up, and then yeah, Zach
3: Wild's like, y- "You know what? I'm going to play Lauren? for eight minutes." <laughs> you know what it is? Huh. It's the energy. The hmm. energy is radically different between new metal and metal. Like mm-hmm. when. When Zach Wilde's group starts playing and I start hearing like arpeggios and I start hearing like scales and I hear guitar theatrics, it's a way different mental than let's fucking go double kick drum, scratching, jump up, like let's get excited. This is like, yeah, it is much more in like my long hair, my my dusty denim Let's, this is, this is what the bad guys do. <laughs>
1: like, yeah. Well, also when you look at the Slipknot song, the Slipknot vibe, Papa Roach, Linkin Park, those are all bands where if you are walking by and you look at the screen, you look at the stage, somebody is jumping. Somebody's jumping off a riser. Mm-hmm. There's jumping. No one is jumping in black label society. Probably because no. they're they It'll blow their knees straight out. What um, you get
3: is like a hunch. This is a yeah. hunch. Yeah. A lean back mm. into a hunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> real, so, real lean and hunch. <laughs> absolutely. So,
1: Matt, if you can please go to
3: 235.
4: You got it. Wow. Limb still sucks dick.
3: Wait, wait a
4: minute. <laughs> Zach, what?
1: Wait a
3: minute
1: so i want to point out so i did i did some research on this because i needed to know more and kevin you may know more as well um so first of all the chorus to the song is best that i can tell is yeah yeah motherfucking yeah so that's apparently the chorus to this song which when you've got these tasty riffs you don't need any more accoutrement that's all you need you got that riff and then you're just like what do you say over the top of it he's like yeah yeah motherfucking yeah and you're done so, I googled Limp Biscuit versus Zach Wilde, And apparently, Zach Wilde was going around for a time saying Limp Biscuit sucks dick on stage. That was like his thing. And apparently, what it is is that he's, he says, and this is from an interview he did in 2019. He said, I'm actually friends with those guys. They're all good dudes. And apparently, what it is is that he was at a label... And he was talking about his band, and they were like, Yeah, we don't think this is gonna work. And they said, Why? And he said, Well, your whole thing is not the thing. If you want to be bigger, then. And then the the record exec motioned towards the wall behind him, and there was a big, giant Limp Biscuit poster. And he basically said, If you're more like Limp Biscuit, it would be an easier sell. And to which Zach Wilde responded, so let me get this straight. If I put on a fucking Yankee hat on backward, start wearing some fucking baggy clothes, put some Vans on, and start going, yo, 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 that's going to fix everything? I'm sorry, that's going to fucking fix everything? I was like, go fuck yourself, and I just fucking walked out of the place. And he's like, he's like, at that point, he's like, I'm not about to do that. He's like, I'm fighting for my life. And I don't want to change who I am. And I think that's what it is. But he says, he, he gives some anecdotes here about hanging out with Wes, hanging out with Fred, working on, I guess, like the Book of Shadows soundtrack. And he said, that's where it is. It, I don't know. It feels a little damage controly. I mean, at the same time, this sounds like a very much like budding of genres. You know, Limp Biscuit is peak Limp Biscuit at this point. Zach Wilde's like, can I just riff and say motherfucker? And just do that, and they're like, "I don't know, man." You know, my dream, my dream. Don't take my dream away. I, it's funny, and it's like you're both, you're, they're both riffing and saying, "Motherfucker!" But apparently, in the wrong ways. That's not how we do it now, two thousand one. <laughs> um, Kevin, what, what are your thoughts on this one?
2: Well, first of all, I feel like Zach's beef isn't with Limp Bizkit; it's with that record exec. I mean, totally he's yeah. a little misguided there, Zach. I also think the coolest thing about Zach Wilde is that he was in the band My Darkest Days and they did the song Porn Star Dancing, which is one of the greatest songs of all time. If you guys are unfamiliar Ooh. or any Roach Coast listener, check that song out. No, we don't know that one.
1: Is is that uh? Because that sounds like something that would fit on uh one of the misogyny but it slaps playlist. Would that would that fit there? Bro, and then
2: it has the misogynist who slaps on it, Chad Kroger. Oh shit! <laughs> oh, this is shit. like uh, well... something in your mouth era, Chad uh, Kroger, and um, uh... it's like a super group though. And then Ludacris is on the song. It's actually an insane song. And It's called "Pornstar Dancing," and it's like Zach Wild, Ludacris, Chad Kroger. And then the dude who now sings in Three Days Grace, Matt something, his brother's in Three Days Grace as well. I'm blanking. But anyways, he was the singer of that band. That's like 2009, 2010 shit. My other thing that I wanted to kick it to you guys and kind of like make it a more uh, bigger conversation is, so this is 2001. And I think there's two experiences for the new Metal fan. And especially I would imagine the listener of Roach Coach is like, if you were a kid, Or if you were more active in the scene right so like it came up before because you guys were talking i think matt was saying that uh he felt like mechanical animals in 98 was like a failure but i remember like the dope show being all over mtv i was like you know a little kid but i was like wow that's a huge album but you guys were like really there and then if i'm thinking like summer 01 i'm like man biscuits still like hot as hell biscuits still so cool but there was obviously enough like sentiment for zach wilde to think that saying that was going to endear him to an audience, right? So what are your memories of, like, where Limp Bizkit sat at that time where Zach Wilde saying this?
1: My memory, especially 2001, is definitely that there was some, some pushback that I was aware of um, as far as hearing from people every now and again anecdotally of, like, oh, you know, I can't stand that guy in regards to Fred Durst. But I think... Honestly, you look at that post 9-11 era, Wes leaves, Fred is then just showing up in stuff. He's showing up on that what's going on remix. And it's like, is this guy turning into something of a cornball? And I definitely feel like post that time period, you're definitely running into the results may vary era where Wes is out. It definitely, you feel the tide turning and and because I, you know, as we talked about on our marathon uh, results may vary episode, uh, when that record came out, I remember people being like, Limp Biscuit, are we still talking about this? This is still a thing? Like what, what is going on? And so I I think he, he probably was getting in at the right time for an anti Limp Biscuit sediment. I mean, but also as, as you know, like when a bands get super, super big, it's, we're all just waiting for the fall at a certain point since no one can maintain that. level forever it's you know you have your imperial era as they say and then you have your you come down out of that and it's how you survive that you know I think nowadays though you even if you don't have an imperial era anymore you can still persist through just dedicated fan bases who will just carry you forever you know like I always I always think about like the Nicki Minaj arc and how if Nicki Minaj had come out in 2000 and had the exact same arc she'd just be a done artist at this point but Nicki Minaj is somehow, despite the fact that I feel like hasn't had a hit in like six years, still is persistent in the culture. and uh, I mean, she just had still... a song with Ice Spice. Exactly. And it's still – so she's still able to like hold that – hold on to that because the barbs are forever. <clears throat> they, they will never abandon her. Well, you know, you know what
2: that is too – But you didn't – Oh, sorry, Lauren. Mm-hmm. The, you know, what, I, oh, go you know ahead. what that is too to tie back to something you were talking about earlier is just how media has changed – part of that too, that longevity with uh, Nikki example is like, well, Nikki has her own distribution, social media, right? And so what would happen back in the day is like MTV or radio would be the distribution. And if they abandon you as an artist, well, then you're, dude, you're, you're fucked, right? And so there's always those barbs are always like sort of, you know, harvested, if you will, uh, for lack of a better term, because, well, she can always talk to them, right? So like when she accumulates, and that's like, not to go off on on a fucking tangent, but that's what's fascinating too about social media is like Maybe you haven't had a hit in six years, but you still have those followers, bro, from six years ago. You still have that audience, you know what I mean? If you ever wanna you know, work your record, like obviously she does. Um, but is there a moment, guys, where like, cause what I'm fascinated by is like, when does that band, when does Limp Bizkit jump the shark in your guys' memory? Because we eventually get like the Will Sasso, Mad TV, you know, uh, parodies of them. You get, I mm-hmm. mean, you know what's funny for me in my memory, you know what I think kills that whole m- movement in new Metal? is uh the um bowling for suit music video for girl all the bad guys want huge hit song Mm. for like that's like you know and i'm like my generation i was 11 when the pop punk thing went crazy so that's what we were championing as kids and that was like the best song ever and that whole video is clowning fred durst aaron lewis etc but do you guys have a memory of when that shit like jumped the shark
3: well for me personally because i i did not like new metal when it launched but it was undeniable, and it was like, okay, this is culture. 1999 is like, this is peak culture. And then after Woodstock 99, there was, there was still like enough head of steam, very much culturally, to keep it moving. But I think like in my sphere, that took a little wind out of it. Because it was like this thing that was kind of a disaster. It was a lot of new metal. It was a lot of this. And then 2000 was like kind of coasting. And by the time we get to 2001, just like when you look at the other music that's coming out, it definitely felt like there's newer things happening in the mainstream. Because the thing is like new Metal really did capture the hearts of a mainstream audience that hated the bubblegum pop of the boy band's. So it was like this very reactionary thing that happened and it was easy for I mean TRL played it perfectly where it was like sides. It was like, I'm here for Britney Spears, I'm here for corn. It's like when on earth are that is that going back and forth number one, number two, other than like really in this moment. And then like this weird thing starts happening around that time of like you get this big push of what's going to be the future of like you know sleaze so you're going to have the strokes start to come in the third white stripes record starts to come in like now there's this under there's this underground rock thing that's happening that's now not you know if we take a look from the first corn record to get to 2001 it's like a lot of people are starting to age out into. I'm not gonna go to those shows anymore because I need to use my knees for my day job, you know. <laughs> to,
5: <laughs>
3: I'm not listening to that because my my cousin listened to that or my older cousins or whatever. And I want to find and pop punk kind of filled that void, but then like indie sleaze started to come in and fill those voids. And it was like, and I mean honestly, 2001, we're looking at. Discovery, Daft Punk, white blood cells. Is this it? Amnesiac. From a hip hop standpoint, we got the blueprint dropping. Missy so addictive is here. I'm literally looking at a list of albums from 2001. My favorite, I get wet by Andrew WK is happening. So like, there's there's starting to be a splinter in the mainstream. Whereas like, you go to the charts in 99, 2000, it definitely feels more like Stained, Limp Bizkit corn and followed with Britney Christina in sync and it's like that's starting to get brushed aside and the the undercurrent is like this new thing so i would say like mm-hmm. i really did start to feel it and then of course you know when you get to september 11th it was it was like we're done we don't we don't want, none of that please none of that mm-hmm. uh right. fucking play some james taylor please like i just need <laughs> I just just need to feel, like, okay for a second. I
1: I mean, I think we've talked about it a lot also. It's just that a lot of the records that people put out in the uh, summer of 03, which was a lot of, like, everybody's finally back. Deftones came back. Corn came back. Limp Bizkit came back. And it was like, how did you handle this shift now? And with Limp Bizkit, it was like, well, we're still gonna be us, but we're gonna be softer. But also, we lost our signature guy, and it's like everyone's like, now nah, we're not here for it. And Korn's like, we're just gonna do what we've always done, and everyone's like, uh, I don't know if we want that either. And so it's all this sort of flattening there. Because I remember, yeah, like that summer of yeah, that summer of 03 just thinking like this is this is definitely a shift here because the hottest record of the fall was not a rock record; it was Outkast. Uh, speaker box low below that's what everybody cared about so i think that that in my memory was definitely where it is and also just the splintering as you said matt with the internet because it used to be i'd say yeah 99 if you're not hearing it on the radio then you're going to go to the store and buy it on cd and then otherwise you've got to do the research but 2001 to 2003 you're talking Napster, you're talking LimeWire, you're talking Audio Galaxy, everything that came and went, where you could just go in and just type the name of a band or a genre, and suddenly you're like, What's this? I've never even heard this before. And so now you've opened that up, the things that you thought you were interested in, you're like, Wait a minute, I there's a whole new world out here. Europe heard of it? So many musicians. That was uh, good. <laughs> are <Europe, laughs> downloading the, the, continent? the Listen, I was, I was like, wait a minute, they got the DJs. final countdown band. They got, they got DJs with British accents talking about doves. Let me have this MP3, please. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. Um, guys, believe it or not, we got some more songs to go on this. Album. We do, we do. I thought we were it's, done. It was a whole fest, baby, a whole fest. <laughs> all right, all right. Next up, it's your favorite, Matt. It's Disturbed with Fear. Ugh.
4: Time to take shit up a notch
3: Sure it is dreaming
4: This is fear And when this shit kicks in I want to see all of my brothers and sisters in the lawn
0: Turn into one sea of motherfucking pits on the niggas
3: Now to remind the casual listener, Draymond is saying fear something again. That mm-hmm. is what he's saying. He's truly mm-hmm. not saying Yes. Okay, just checking. Alright
0: bye
1: I'm going to be honest with you. This is great. They sound incredible. This is prime disturbed. I pulled up this set list, and I'm going to be honest. I wish I was at the Alpine Valley Music Theater in East Troy, Wisconsin on June 9, 2001. Because listen to this. Nine songs, all heaters. The game, conflict, voices, violence, fetish, fear, drop in plates, shout cover, down with the sickness, stupefy. And then they leave... Conquering heroes, unreal, unreal, unreal. How dare you, Matt? Dare you, Matt? In two thousand one, Alpine Valley Music Theater, they played this song, and then they said, "Okay, everybody," and then they played "Dropping Plates." That I would have loved to see live. <laughs> this is this was. Ah, I I read this and I was what like, "What a time oh, to too- be alive." Time Machine. They're like, you got a time machine. Where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to on Oz one, baby. <laughs> disturbed was playing Dropping Plates every night. Top tier, Draymond up top. I mean, we don't get a ton of band. Like I said, the banter is largely cut on this album. I was glad that we got a little bit there. Him asking for a C of motherfucking pits. Beautiful. I love it. Um, yeah, I felt great. Um, one of my favorites on the album. Uh, Kevin,
2: Disturbed. I think that This Is Fear is one of the most badass intros to a song, whether the song is called Fear or not. And uh, I just want to say happy anniversary to uh, David Draymond on this tour, because in 2000 is when we got the Hannibal Lecter deal. So all OzFest 2000, they would wheel him out on like a mm-hmm. handcart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Disrobe him, I guess, in a, in a certain sense. Um, and also shout out to David uh, nowadays. He's living his best life on Tinder.
1: That's right. That's right he is. Have you have you had uh, any interactions with any members of disturbed in your career?
2: Bro, I have hosted to and I believe this is factual. The first and only Wakaka contest so we we i used to do a talk show in new york city called the build series and it was it was so it was so cool dude it was like live on television and it was like real fans not a cast studio audience and uh very loosey-goosey like yo we got a cool idea let's just do it and so i was like bro they're doing msg tonight we got we got tickets and an autograph picture we had them autograph this picture real quick and we had three dudes in the audience and everyone did their wakaka and then david had to pick who did the best wakaka and it's on my IG. Wow. Not to be like uh, corny and plug my IG, but at Kevin Kenny on IG, uh, you can watch it. Actually, we just posted it a couple days ago, but it was back in 2018. Oh,
1: beautiful! Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely looking that up. I love it. I love it. Oh, I mean, could you imagine, Matt? You've been training on your walkathon forever, and then right. David, David says you did it. You are me. I mean, incredible validation.
2: A dude named Jerry from Boston won. And he looks exactly like you would imagine a dude named Jerry from Boston who listens to <laughs> why he was at that show in New it. York city. I hope it wasn't for that, but I hope he was also visiting family, but also a quick David Draymond uh, anecdote is uh one time he told me uh, that uh, I, somebody made me ask him like about uh craziest fan story. And apparently there is a woman in the world right now, hopefully still alive that has uh, his face on her, um, her chest, her, Breastusses.
1: Wow! Yes. Wow!
2: That's that's a wow. de- that's, that's a decision. That, that is, is a real decision. That's a you, life you
1: just, choice. You're sitting down. You're like, I need David Draymond's face on my chest. Wow! Wow! That's wild. Yeah. I, I got I I got to tell you, that's the type of thing I hear about, and I'm just like, ego wise and everything. Being an artist, I mean, for you, Kevin. I mean, it, for someone to come up to you one day and be like, listen, I had big trash tattooed on my back. You'd be like.
2: What? Like that'd be
1: that'd be so crazy. I think I
2: think the name of the band's a little more badass. I mean I just uh that's gotta be that's gotta make for some uh some very awkward uh you know first intimate encounters, let's say. coach is a family show. <laughs> but uh, you know, you get back to the crib and you start going at it and you goes Is that the guy from Disturb staring at me? <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's that's a conversation just b- before we get into what it i really like you the- it's draymond with the
2: hannibal man <laughs> yeah it's just like you know <laughs> honey it's not you it's just uh, the tattoo
3: <laughs> draymond Amazing. defends these breasts
1: <laughs> unreal uh only real ones get in there uh all right speaking of real ones uh we just talked about these boys recently on the show it's mud vein death blooms
4: Kill, 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 death fucking blooms, let's do this
0: shit. (laughs)
3: Is that a pig squealing in in this record? Matt, it's
1: Death Blooms Live. People are losing (laughs) it. They're losing it. He just... I mean, also, this is the all-time intro of a song on this album. Kill, 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 Death Blooms, let's do this shit. I mean, should we make that how we do this podcast now? Kill, 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 Roach Coach, let's do this shit. Like, Wow.
3: Uh cud with another stellar intro
1: <laughs> um yeah this is prime vein these guys are clearly crushing the mix on this is good because you hear every clunk of that bass baby like i was it, gonna they, say okay, it's, it's, it's again
3: ryan martini what a bassist holy shit
1: this is really something this is also one where yeah they could have gone with dig and i honestly think this is a good choice because this one's i think let's show off We know know Mudvayne, we know they can crush, but let's show a little bit more virtuosity in what we can do. So I was uh, happy to hear this one. They sound invigorated. This made me look up, but did not purchase, but it did make me look up Mudvayne tickets and consider it once again for the reunion tour because this is real hot. Kevin, thoughts on Mudvayne?
2: Man, the intro to that song is literally like the zenith of why I love new metal. That is just so <laughs> just uniquely and specific new metal. And also, um, shout out a word I learned recently from Chad from Mudvayne. I was listening to uh, Turbo on Sirius XM. And, uh, man, they play a lot of Mudvayne on Turbo. I just want to say that. And, uh, like, more than they probably should. And uh, he was telling a story <laughs> about how he wrote some song. And he used the word, the, the term, really, the Chadness. About like six times to describe what was going on in the song. And I did not leave that soundbite knowing anything more about how he made that song than before I heard it.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I mean, he's, he's, I think he's just evoking like, uh, like uh, at this point in the song, it's, it's all me because I am Chad and thus my vibe permeates, maybe? The Chadness. I'm, I'm guessing the Chadness. Yeah. Matt's got a lot of Chadness um, to him.
2: I meant to say that. You do,
1: you do, Matt. This is yeah. very true, Matt.
2: He's got the Chadness. I say that all the time about myself.
1: <laughs> yeah, your aura—it—it is—it is there. You know, it's—it's matter. It's not. It's Nas or it's not. It's
2: Nas or it's not. Maddie Nas, baby. That's right. Yeah, you That's got right. it.
1: Um. Okay. Let's no do more this. preamble, you guys. Let's fucking do Come it. On. It's
3: bodies. You gotta stop fucking around. Let the bodies hit the floor.
0: Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the Here we go, here
3: fucking timeless come on incredible
1: this was one that you know when they were sitting down They was like we can't not put bodies on this we have to have bodies this is simply incredible this 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 is the peak of the album for me this is the best sounding best track it's incredible dave's vocals are amazing like he is hitting these notes in ways and these screams that i'm just like oh this dude he was the real motherfucking deal right here that's what we were dealing with this is a crusher performance honestly once again always hit with that great what if you know what would have happened if the, if he had not passed away at 215 they do a build-up scream again like he was doing it oh man it's super amazing and it ends with him saying what's up motherfucker which sounds like he saw someone he knew in the audience and was like what's up motherfucker hey What's going on? Thanks for coming to the uh, show, man. Hey, you're at OzFest. Good to see you. See me in the back. Let's get some
3: uh let's get some bloody marys. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. I loved it. Super it's super. It's so great. crazy that they I'm so glad they put Bodies on here because like you don't you obviously in 2001 they had no idea that we were going to lose Dave, but like this Bodies itself. I mean, we've talked ad nauseum about Bodies and like how it's like the it's such a great song. And it is a song that nearly every new metal album needs their own version of. Like the mm-hmm. thing that is, what is your bodies? What is your song? That is just like, you hear that song. And you're like, that's Drowning Pool. That's Dave Williams. That's locked in. That's perfect. It doesn't need to be anything other than what it is. And it's just like, I'm so glad they captured it and they put it out. Because it's just like, you never know. Like this is a mm-hmm. truly like. Thank God they got that because, you know, you can't get that again. That's true. Kevin.
2: I got to give a huge shout out to SummerSlam 2001, man. This was the theme song. <laughs> Rock versus <laughs> yeah. Booker T, dude. That, there could not have been a bigger event in my life in the summer of 2001. And this was uh, the official theme song. And for at least my demo, dude, that that broke this band more than anything. So shout out to SummerSlam.
1: There you also, go! Shout out to Summer. Shout out to
2: Shaq. I don't know if you guys saw that, but Shaq has actually sampled bodies on a new song. Yes, and uh, it's I believe, I believe he has flipped it into "Let the Thoughties Hit the Floor." <laughs> oh, Thoughties, which is I guess long for thoughts, which is short for something we probably don't want to say in Roach Coach. <laughs>
1: well um that's uh are we talking about that hoe over there (laughs) we're talking about that hoe over there (laughs) uh i have i have heard the shack version and honestly it's one of those ones where it's like if you don't have your own bodies then just get bodies if you can afford bodies mm -hmm, maybe
2: it's about tax worse things
1: we got bodies at home (laughs) yeah uh, we have bodies at home, but also I have a bodies And I'm taking it um, I love it So uh, we're at the halfway point And also, um, I think we're also at the halfway point Of like, we, we've run through a lot of like I guess would be the main stage bands A lot uh-huh. of the bands that are, that are The hot, big, big bands And so now we're going to get into the bands that In 2001, they're coming up They're bubbling under This could be their breakout year Or this could be it So, first up, we've got The Union Underground with South Texas Death Ride.
0: must you fuck with these things in my head for so long that I feel like a gray? Focus your lies, hypocrisize, provide me my change your mind. Why must you fuck with these things in my head for so long that I feel like a break.
3: I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty that's... good. It's a
1: premium new metal. It's premium new. It has a touch of uh, a touch of the Manson in there. A little bit of a creepy crawl vibe on those verses. And I definitely think it. it I think the only knock against it is it has to follow bodies on this album. So it's always felt like a bit of a come down energy wise. But Mm -hmm. I did note when I did my notes that if I was at Ozfest 2001 and I was walking across the field and I heard this one and I was midfield, I turned to my friend and I nod my head and say, hey, not bad, not bad. South ride, motherfuck. Yeah, I'm down for that. This did make me think about, though, like, yeah, doing this song at, you know, two, three o'clock in the afternoon. This guy's got to be clad in all black Union Underground um blazing sun, you've gotta really you've really gotta amp it up extra because as we know, this stuff really does play best, you know, under cover of night. And when exposed to the bright sun, it, it can be a little tougher. So I think that they sound very good. Um and they really do pull it off. Kevin, I had a question for you in regards to sort of um, you know, being a, a host on television and now transitioning here to being basically a, a frontman of a band. How has that? What have you learned? Have you talked to anybody as far as like things that you realize, like fronting a band and performing in that way, that's different from just like you're hosting um, things that you need to
2: realize. I actually think they're kind of analogous in a really weird way, hmm. where it, it kind of goes back to empathy in both regards for the audience. Where when I'm hosting something, you know, it's all about you know, uh, present, it's all about thinking about the guest, uh, and then, well, first off, it's all about thinking about the audience, then the guest, and then obviously me last. And I, and I think it's very similar with the live performance is what, you know, and you've touched on it too, uh, Lauren about just what does this audience want tonight? Um, and I think also just, uh, man, I just, I've watched so many live performances. That's kind of how I learn any skill set, as, you know, watching and sort of taking the mental notes and, and I think just, uh, connecting with people. You know, so I think they're actually pretty analogous. I mean, I don't know how many people would say that between, uh, you know, how similar Ryan Seacrest is to Jonathan Davis. But um, <laughs> but <laughs> I think in terms of uh, if you do it the right way, you know what I mean? And not a lot of people do it the yeah. right way. I see local bands. I even saw some bands recently that I'm just like, this. they think this is about them, but it's not about us. It's not about big trash. It's about the people. When I put together the set list, I was like, we're doing, we had a five song set list for 30 minute set. And I was like, two of those got to be covers. And those can't be new metal songs. I wanted to get people going. I mean, we came out, bro, to Britney Spears. We walked out mm. to uh, Hit Me Baby One More Time, and that was completely strategic. I wanted to get all the women involved. I wanted to get people singing. I wanted to get people feeling good. So, yeah, I think empathy is probably the the through line between both those things.
1: Cool, cool. Matt, other thoughts on Union Underground?
3: You know, I know that we did them on the show. We did. I, I don't remember a ton. I do feel like... um there may have been a strip club involved a couple of times uh, during, uh, I during think that so. episode. That, I feel like
1: but, there's a couple vibes here. Definitely some strip club vibes. But I
3: got to say, this recording is super fucking clean. Mm-hmm. Like, they sound great. So, Sharon Osborne. That. Sharon Osborne behind Osbourne. the boards. Going to the talk, coming back, feeling like, all right, I'm ready. Let's do it. And let's do uh, the next track.
1: That's right. It's OTEP with Filthy. Whatever
0: you need. Whatever you need. Unite, Messiah.
3: like this is the first time we've heard o- otep in a
1: long time so matt i did a little research of us research the coach and uh indeed we did de- last did otep on the show in july of 2017
3: oh those halcyon days
1: Oh, back in those days um so yeah so this uh this is from the jihad ep and would be on the Sevastra album that we would cover on the show but when she did this performance they had nothing they were this was all like the the people were just like going off of reps and everyone said yep this is the next hot band get them on get them on the set so they were they were out there winning people over with this they had to come out with the heat every night because there weren't people sitting there being like oh i'm camping out for Otep." they're like who's who's Otep?" you know Somebody's getting, you know, they're getting their pretzel at the concessions. Going, you want to go see Otep? I don't know what that is, but yeah, let's go. Let's let's wander over. Let's go check it out. And with this performance, this is a hot performance. It's hot real performance. Hot. Very hot performance. Kevin, how'd you feel about this one?
2: Man, I uh, I don't know if I'm gonna lose some street cred, but I was not familiar with Otep before this. No uh, loss here. It's okay. You I, street listen. cred,
3: ironclad. Iron <laughs> so don't yes. worry about that.
1: Yeah. Don't worry about that. Yeah, um, yeah. With Otep, I mean, she, um, I mean, she's always been kind of more, more like underground new metal. I think is you know she never uh, the record that we did was her biggest record, and that wasn't a huge breakout. Uh, we have received a little bit of push over the years to do a couple more, and I know she's still very active. Uh, the band is still active, so you know, still doing heaters, still pushing up. I think there's a a, a lot in her uh, in her discography that um, correlates with some of the um, you know. The uh, conspiracy theory the man is coming to get you vibe of uh some mid t- uh mid-career head pe um so i think there's there's a weird correlation with them as well in that way so uh but she brings the heat here i would say you know if you're hanging out at the second stage at asbest 2001 and Otep came out you got a show you got, you got a, a show. show you got a show all right up next we've got what a day by nonpoint this song's called What a Day.
0: Lift your fucking kidneys that night to bed for Ride from a stranger that i never met before Got so ready that I had to take the ride That's so all I'm easy because I'm a guy Wanted for a ride with me and all these kids You remind me of myself, son, he's drunk with a grain
3: some crowd interaction going on there
1: you can feel the already they non-point have have, in, have made themselves known to this audience they've already got the non-point faithful ready to go right off the bat as we know because the non-point fandom is strong and persistent this one still this has always been a song where i'm like i i like this song fine but as we all know if you go back to statement that album it's all about orgullo you know. It is. <laughs> it's all about Argulo. Um, but this is, I mean, this is a, a, a solid performance. Um, the audience clearly on their side, ready to rock and roll. This was their closer, uh, from what I can tell, from the setlist online. So, I mean, this is solid, solid back half. Once again, walking across the field, you've got yourself an elephant ear. you got yourself a tall brew, and you're like, yeah, not pointer doing the damn thing. They're doing the damn thing. Uh, Kevin, non-point.
2: I was a, a late bloomer to Nonpoint. Actually, I uh, became uh, aware of Nonpoint re- semi recently because uh, they covered Prince when Doves Cry beautifully. Mm-hmm. mad. That's right. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I saw. I actually did get to see Nonpoint open for Pod about three or four years ago and uh they really brought the heat and uh, i went with a friend of the show josh to me and he got uh he got me to he introduced me to uh rob rivera afterwards and uh he's like lauren really wanted you to do our gulo and <laughs> rob's like yeah we don't we don't do that one at head uh, where we're opening maybe at a headliner but now when we open and i was like okay i understand also Thanks for putting me on blast. <laughs> um, so, um, but he was very Lauren, nice. Was Lauren very thought
4: nice the show sucked because he didn't do it. Uh, uh, you didn't
1: do the song I wanted to hear, huh? But um, yeah. But uh, yeah. They're uh, they're uh, yeah. They're they're road dogs. Nonpoint. Yeah. They're road dogs. They're out there. They're putting in the work and consistently bringing the heat. So good stuff. All right. We're we're at, we're here. We got some boys. Last time we heard from them, they were on the Tattoo of the Earth tour. Here they are now in Ozfest. And They're bringing that same energy, you guys. It's Hate Breed, Last Breath.
0: This song is dedicated to anyone who's ever lost someone they care about. You gotta keep those memories alive in your heart. This is Last Breath.
1: That's the stuff right there. Um, I got to tell you, every time Hatebreed shows up on this, I'm just the, the passion, the energy, you feel the connection. And then with a line like, we're going to start this song up. We've been hearing some some decent banter. You know, this is fear. Kill, 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 kill. Death blooms. Let's fucking go. Um, of course, Zach Wilde saying, yeah, yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. You know, great stuff. Um, but uh, the line, keep those memories alive in your heart. Let me see those fists in the air! Wow, wow, true connection. Um, With that one, I have to say, if I'm walking across the field and I got my soft pretzel and my hot dog, I might have to pitch him. Might have to pitch him in the air. Take the loss. You're about to go in. Um, I gotta go in. Summer 2001. All my limbs. Flame, Lauren. All my limbs still work then, Matt. (laughs) I still think. I I just want to give out.
3: Dodgy shoulder, knees intact let me
1: tell you you guys a little bit about me uh since i hit 40 apparently i'm just falling apart my thumb's all messed up i've got as we record this achilles tendonitis and i can't even stand it's insane you hit 40 yeah i'm just telling you kevin you're you're still in your 20s right
2: 30 now dude
1: you're 30 oh well happy birthday um
2: well thank you it's today
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, perfect. there we go thank you for spending it with us um, yeah I, I just tell you let me tell you once you hit 40 buddy it really does all start to fall apart in crazy ways inflicted and uninflicted because uh, I was trying to figure out how do I have Achilles tendonitis, and they were like have you been walking lately I was like you mean like <laughs> my life <laughs> yes I've been walking lately um, shouldn't have done that my bad should have just stayed prone Wait,
3: so their argument is stop
1: walking well, they were just like, that's the, only, re, re, that's the only thing they could figure out. They were like, that's the only way this would happen. Super helpful,
3: guys. Thanks, Doc. Oh.
1: Hey, listen, listen. I've been going through medical hell. I've been misdiagnosed. They thought I had gout two weeks ago. Did not have gout. Well, gout would have been my first guess. Because I love to eat rich foods. It's true, but it was not well, I mean, gout. Well,
3: your opulent lifestyle. It's the life and times of the multi-thousand-air roach coach boys. That's, that's right. The currently
1: <laughs> unemployed me and you. Right, hey, listen, it's, it's going to be a lot less, you know, once I get started getting these medical bills, let me tell you. Um, so, hate breed, they brought the heat. Feeling good. And now we're going to talk about a band that we have never talked about on this show i'm certain that band is called systematic with the song deep colors bleed there's way too much fucking standing around out here you guys
3: gotta fucking get the fuck up right now that is world-class banner before we even start (laughs) (laughs) Way, hey, hey, way too much standing around here. What the fuck are you guys doing?
1: I like the tone here is very um, high school principal trying to get a <laughs> <to laughs> dad.
3: Also, like. yeah.
1: what are you? What's with this all this
3: standing a, around? This is a dad coaching like baseball. Like, what are you doing in the outfield? Like, can we see a little Charlie hustle out there, please? Eye on the ball. We got a pit about to start here. Anyway, come on, boys. Good effort. Good effort. Bring a run home.
0: i hey.
1: I saw your face there when we hit those vocals, especially the chorus. There, we got more than a hint of crack. There, it, oh, it got yeah. pretty butt. We got pretty butt. Are you doing okay? How you doing?
3: Well, I was not expecting. Well, at least I didn't get changed, but I certainly got butt rocked. Uh, you know, it's interesting because, like, I hear a song like that, and it's like steal from the best. I mean, they are mm-hmm. stealing left and right. You know, nobody's nobody's <laughs> pantry has been left unsundered. And I'm like, okay, we got some the, the Disturbed Cookbook in here. Um, a lot more of the Disturbed Cookbook. We got some good riffing. We got some good things going on. He comes in. He's kind of got that Yarl. I don't like a Yarl. It's well established. I'm not a Yarl guy. And then he pushes it straight into the Jarl-y grunty. Not my thing. Not my thing. Good for them. And then I pull up a picture of our boys in Systematic, and the lead singer does look like a coach. He has a real coach vibe. He is a very bald man, strong, lengthy goatee, and uh, he's got that vibe of just like, where's the effort? Give me. I need to see. Where Charlie hustled. Come on. Yeah, I wrote in my notes that. Head in the game, boys. Head in the the game.
1: The tone of that opening thing is very. You got time to lean. You got time to clean. You know, like like right after, right after he did this, he's like, "Listen, I gotta go manage a Wendy's from six to ten. All right." The first time I I heard
3: "time to lean, time to clean," I was a cook at Pizza Hut. Mm -hmm. Yes, and uh, Mm -hmm. the manager came over. The manager, everybody hated, came over, and like we had a two seconds in between orders, and we were like. He's like, you got time to lean, you got time to clean, and we're like, shut the fuck up. Nobody likes you in our heads, and we were like, oh, okay,
2: I'm back to making pizzas.
1: Yeah, uh, Kevin, how'd you feel about systematic?
2: I was feeling it, new to them as well, so it's been like a learning experience on a, on Roach Coach today. But I'm I'm still kind of reeling from Matt's yarl. That was pretty good. Oh, thank you. I'm,
3: you know, I've been in practicing.
1: <laughs> matt's been hearing enough jarl at this point that even though he doesn't like it he's an expert it's kind of weird how that works out you know it sounds
2: like he's been listening yeah. to a lot of seven mary Three.
1: <laughs> Oh, cumbersome uh what a track what a track
4: she <laughs> heard
1: uh remember when like that was the only song that was played in america matt Cumbersome. oh
3: yeah was that in cracker right <laughs> it was just- yeah
1: oh cracker low oh cracker low is still being played to this day to this day right now as we talk they're just it's being played i had a question for you kevin in regards to uh your work in radio were you given any uh, are you given any options as far as like picking the set list or is it largely determined by other people do you get to do you put in any like hey this is a kevin one i heard i think would be good on the air
2: uh so nowadays not so much uh so my radio show uh, cheap plug airs uh across the country on a bunch of different alternative rock stations including detroit's 98 7. shout out to everybody from Michigan. yeah
1: all right and
2: um and uh but actually it was actually like uh during the pandemic dude it was kind of the wild wild west and uh they they kind of changed protocol partly because of uh just how ridiculous it got i mean like even in new york i would just do like a new metal hour And these aren't like, you know, like uh, local radio stations. They're like commercial radio stations. And so, uh, but it gets a little chaotic. So I don't know. It's a fair balance. I mean, there is a lot though of like when you're doing a show that goes across the country, every one of those radio stations is playing something different. You know what I mean? So it's a little tricky Mm -hmm. situation, but whenever you can, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Cool absolutely yeah
1: um yeah in my uh when I was in radio for the brief time I remember having this sort of disheartening moment when I was talking to one of the program directors and he was like making the set list of or the playlist that was going to be playing for the next like weeks and and I was like oh are you factoring in like requests and everything like that and he's like He's like, Lauren, I got so much I gotta do. I just got this list emailed to me. I'm just trying to get these uploaded. I got, I got a job. I was like, it was a real like food in the family. I was like, oh, you know that makes sense. It makes sense. At a certain point, you're like, cool. I love this great song, but also I, I do need to get out of here by five because I've got, I've got errands to run. And, uh, you know, when I was like 26, I was just like,
3: what? It's about the music, man.
1: But now, as you know, a 40. Plus year old See, this is this is yeah. the
3: hardest thing for for us right here, is because we over-index on the show part of show business, <laughs> way yeah. over-indexed on the show part. Like, it's all about the vibes and the connection, and then there's somebody being like yeah, we actually need to put food on our families, so could we fucking not do so much of that, please? Well, I remember
2: uh, it was like finding out the Easter Bunny wasn't real when I uh, got to MTV and I was doing TRL, the reboot. I was like, you know, kind of you were asking before, Lauren, about the the live performance. It's like, well, dude, I've watched so many concerts trying to learn from these people, and I wanted to watch all the old TRLs, and a little part of me died inside when I got all the TRL episodes from back in the day, and some of them were pre-taped. And I was like, I was like... Wait a minute. Then how do we know if corns at number 3 today? And so they would like some of those countdowns were, you know, it wasn't uh so specific, I guess you could say. I know. I my oh
3: world. My I honestly went that died a little. Well, bit that- <laughs> I honestly yeah, <laughs> like hearing that I'm like I'm like
1: wait a minute. They didn't have the bean counters literally there going We've got six calls in for one more time. We've got seven calls in for Nookie. Give it to Nookie! Like, well, you guys
3: know the Tom Green story, right? I, I know that I've he, heard a million Tom Green stories, so... I, time. I, I know th- we're talking about the Bum Bum song, yeah, right?
2: Yeah, so basically, yeah. he's got okay. that late night show on uh, MTV in 99, and TRL's this hot thing on the network, and so he's like, yo, I'm going to make this joke song, the Bum Bum song, and I want you guys to vote it on TRL. Well, it becomes, like, the number one video on TRL for, like, a week. And just is kind of ruining the show because it's just his fans are like <laughs> trolling the show and so uh it was summertime and in the summertime they do a lot of location shoots and so they uh had pre-taped trl for the following week so they already pre-taped it like you know carson saying hey backstreet's number one limp Bizkit's number one whatever and so they had to go to tom green and be like hey dude you have to retire this video and he's like i don't want to retire this video this is amazing this is like amazing content they're like dude, like you got to play ball. And so after like five days of being number one on a Friday, the last live episode for the next like two weeks, he retired the video in Times Square because they they couldn't go on the air next week and be like, why isn't the bum bum song on the countdown? So they had to like uphold it. And so that's why it got retired so quickly.
1: Wow. Wow. That is wild. That is nuts. That is nuts. The the behind the scenes. The behind the scenes. I tell you how the how the sausage is made. It can get messy. It can get messy. Believe it or not, we only have two songs left on this compilation.
3: Well, let's do them.
1: Okay. <laughs> All right, Matt. We got a band that I can say confidently none of us have ever heard of before. Their name is Pure Rubbish, and the song is called Kiss of Death. So I had to look up your Rubbish and find out what the story is on this band. So first and foremost, I want to point out that they were signed to Sharon Osbourne's record label, Divine Recordings on Priority Records. Okay. So that's how they got in there. They got, Sharon gave them the full push. They were in the following magazines. Maybe you've heard of them. Rolling Stone, I've Spin, heard of that. Yep. Billboard, Guitar yep. World, Kerrang, yep. Metal Edge, yep. Houston Press, yep. and et cetera. That's right. They were etc. Oh, etc. Os- et you By love them. Penguin mm-hmm. Publishings, etc. <laughs> exactly. Um, they were Kelly Osbourne's backing band at the 2002 MTV Movie Awards. But the most interesting thing about them is that they never put an album out. They recorded a album with Mike Klink from Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, Megadeth, titled "The Glamorous Youth," and it never saw official release. Because the band basically had infighting about what direction they wanted to go in. Half the band wanted to continue to make uh, a sound that drew from the Beatles, David Bowie, and Radiohead. While the other two guys said, we want to play hard rock. And then they just split up. And never actually put any records out. And apparently this was over the course of many years. I look at this one. I mean, they they have an extensive Wikipedia of the breakdown. It was like they had... They opened for ACDC on the Stiff Upper Lip Tour. I mean, they, they you know, they had everything set up to go, and they just could not come to a, an understanding as a band of what they actually wanted to do for it. Because I guess at one point, they were doing something with Roadrunner. They presented new songs to Roadrunner, and Roadrunner said, what is this? This isn't the pure rubbish that we knew that we wanted to get in business with. What's this stuff? And they're like, this is the new direction. And they were like, we don't like the new direction. And so, yeah, so they never put a record out, and it never happened. I I guess these type of stories happen all the time, but it's weird because when you read through it, it seems like a little bit of a self-inflicted wound. So that's why none of us have ever heard of Pure Rubbish because they never actually – this might be like the only official recording you can buy. So, um, yeah. Uh, Kevin, Pure Rubbish.
2: My thoughts on Pure Rubbish are I'm kind of uh, torn between a dozen furies – that we were talking about earlier or pure rubbish as the best name mentioned on this roach coach episode (laughs) also pure rubbish i feel like they're kind of biting big trash a little bit
1: yeah if If that's like the british version of
2: big trash i feel like
1: yeah yeah i think yeah when you go overseas you'll be like yeah that's how you'll you'll go through customs you're like you may think of us as pure rubbish. we are sizable rubbish yeah
3: yeah put us in the bin as they say over there rubbish and i enjoyed uh, them they had a very kind of like motorhead acdc type of hard rock and hard driving feel yeah
2: you know what i thought Um, was weird you just mentioned motorhead matt i was at the rainbow on a sunset this week and uh they, you know, when you when you go diamond or platinum or whatever, even gold, sometimes you present uh, plaques to people, right? Like radio stations or people that helped you with the record. Um, Motorhead presented the rainbow with a plaque. I thought that was interesting. Presenting yeah. a restaurant. I mean, obviously, I'm, I, you know, I'm being a little facetious here. Like the rainbow is obviously iconic. Let me very attached to that place. But I was like, there's definitely not like a, a TGI Fridays with a plaque.
3: No, So no. And there shouldn't be. Well,
2: I, I actually I, I saw the plaque and I said, you know, when big trash goes gold, I just want to give a random Applebee's a plaque. Just a random Applebee's, like just one in yeah. Arkansas.
1: Yeah, honestly, if we ever go platinum or gold, you know who's getting my plaque, and it's Del Taco, baby. <laughs>
3: That's who's getting it. Love those <laughs> They're guys. at least getting a certificate of appreciation. Absolutely. Roach, right? Are you Jake Del Taco Absolutely. fan, Lauren?
2: Oh,
1: I love Del Taco. They'll put guac on anything.
2: Can I uh, Can I anything. tell a quick Del Taco story? Absolutely. And, uh, a story about uh, uh, fumbling a major bag, as they say. Um, I was at the Billboard mm. Music Awards in 2022. Yeah, not this year, last year. It's in Vegas, and uh, I'm there with a buddy of mine and my girlfriend, and I just get hammered. I had done this like 100-day challenge where I had not uh, drank at all. And then so I just get absolutely hammered, uh, spill my drink on Meg the Stallion's aunt, her whole family moves. Um, the producers come out and they're like, because we're in like, you know, the talent section, whatever, where you get shots on television. They come out. They're like, are you going to behave? I was like, yeah, I'm having a good time. Like, what the hell? So then uh, of all people, I meet Diddy for the first time. So Diddy and I are Whoa. Diddy and I are talking and Diddy uh, kind of pulls me in close and he's like, yo, I'm throwing this party at Tal later. Are you going to come? bro, this is amazing. I'm going to Diddy's party. This is like, the, I, like I'm in a movie. So I'm like, dude, I, of course. He's like, don't say you're going to come if you're not going to come to my party, bro. I was like, why would I not come? You're P. Diddy, right? So proceed to get even drunker throughout the show and getting a huge fight with my girlfriend, huge fight with my friend, and wound up not at Diddy's party, but at Lorne.
1: Del, Del taco. taco.
2: Yep. So stood up P. Diddy for Del Taco. Del Taco over Diddy. That's how we're that's how we're rolling on this Roach Coach
1: episode. Wow. wow. Well,
3: I mean I mean if the, you've had next time you, you see had... Diddy, he is gonna be fucky. Yeah, I hope he doesn't listen well, to this, But then you're mad. gonna tell him about Del Taco, he's gonna be like, you know, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 the thing. It's the shrimp taco. If you if but Diddy has had also, the shrimp taco, then he knows. Also, tell me which TV you like the most in your house. <laughs> and once you tell him He's gonna look at it, and it's gonna break that TV. Because if you do not know this, there's an urban legend that P Diddy P Diddy breaks t- breaks monitors. Like if he looks at a television or anything, yeah, this is not bullshit. I have not. Where did you hear this? this? Is where is this yeah, from? What are you
2: talking about?
3: It's from the it's from the Chris Gethard show. I believe Paul Shear was like a PA or something on the set with P Diddy. And he's talking like, yeah, Diddy will break watches like he has an electromagnetic field around him. Like he will fuck up electronics,
2: man. I hope he doesn't wow. fuck me up for not going to his party. But it was kind of like the oh, uh, the opposite of the American dream. You know what I mean? Your life can change overnight. I kind of uh, marveled as I was eating my shrimp taco, Lauren, about how I could go in 30 minutes from being uh, invited to a Diddy party to being alone at a Del Taco on the Vegas Strip. But it was delicious.
1: That's the thing. And you know what? It's, it's, I've told the story before. I was recently in Michigan. I got Del Taco twice in two days. And of course, gave me a little bit of an upset stomach. And then uh, Rachel said to me, she goes, why would you go to Del Taco two times in one day? And I said, the shrimp, the shrimp is back. And she went, oh. Oh well, you should have told me that. I understand now. So I feel like when you do see Diddy again, and I do believe you will, and he's like, "You didn't come to my party," you'd be like, "Listen, I ended up having to go to Del Taco," and he's like, "Oh, the shrimp was there." Say no more. Here you go.
2: And then he's gonna be like, "Keys, keys to the maybach." Is that a TV? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up when uh, TV is around, so he's distracted.
1: Yeah. Um. <laughs> Matt, we're on the last track of the You
3: know, album. I never asked the question I always ask, which is how respectful of our time, because I've been having such a good time. But, yeah. Lauren, how long is this record? Uh, this album comes in at one hour and five minutes. But it is a concert album, so that's kind of respectful.
1: Yeah, it's, it's respectful. And, um, and I, they know I you're going to s-
3: skip a band or two, so probably mm-hmm. comes in at 45.
1: Much like a real concert you might have to go to the bathroom. Got to dip. You got to dip, you know? Or, yeah, or, you know, things aren't going so well for you. You've had a little too much, and you got to leave early to say, go to Del Taco, you know? I mean, maybe you get PTSD from that guy lecturing you, time to lean, time to clean, and you're like, I got to go. I got to go. I I need a minute. Looks Um, like
3: there's a lot of people standing
2: around. (laughs) (laughs) Almost sounds like Matt Foley. Just for the character? <laughs> yeah, oh, it yeah. Does.
3: yeah, it yeah, Yeah. Once a Midwest guy raises his voice, it just <laughs> becomes
1: metful. Uh believe it or not, we are on the last track. You and sure? it is some boys we've talked about before on the show. These are these are the Holiday Kirk Holiday Kirk ride or dies right here. It's American Head Charge, Reach and Touch. <laughs> you Duran- All right, Matt. So, this is the last song of the album. I'm listening to this album on first listen. I did a car listen. This is my first listen. And at 2:05, something happens that made me yell in my car.
3: whoa! All right. Well, I've got it queued up. Let's do this.
0: I want to see you kill the person next to you.
3: Hold on a minute. <laughs> right? Can we slow down for a second? Look, man. Hey. I'm
1: missing the manager right now. That guy was a little more reasonable. Time to lean, time to clean. I get it. This at guy's like- I'm
3: American Head Charge. I'm trying to fucking catch a case here at OzFest. Let's relax a little bit. This is an unreasonable request. Look, Uh, (laughs) it's Lord of Flies time. I know we're in Wisconsin, but you've got (laughs) to murder the man next.
1: (laughs) Also, I mean, if we're to run this, that this is a reverse set list, so American Head Charge played first or second... These guys are like, Yeah, you know what you know what one thirty in the afternoon needs at Ozfest? <laughs> Some
3: bodies like murder. Murder. <laughs> you know what's you know what's great? Just rotting corpses the rest of the day at Ozfest. Because of course they would keep it going, because no one would be able to tell if it was theatrics or not. So mm-hmm. you just have all these bodies everywhere and people were like, Ah, oh, Ozzy, you really went out with the decorations. You really this did year.
1: it this year. I yelled. I could not believe it. I was like, that's crazy. That is some crazy banter. After you
4: banter, murder the man I want you to, to do. you, oh my I need gosh. you to do my taxes. Also unreasonable. And then I need you to form a 403B to invest <laughs> in your child's education. Shortly thereafter, I want you to form an LLC that's also Oh, non-taxable government.
1: <laughs> oh my god Um. so I mean once again I want again, you to call a friend
4: from a pay phone <laughs> and reconcile a disagreement that you've had right now <laughs> um, there when- are <laughs> no women here but- but you need to find your mate in this vicinity or the next song will not get played. Um, after uh, that, make a kitchen in the pit and make me a pasta primavera. Oh.
3: Uh, Needless to say they were kicked off the tour.
1: They were kicked off the tour. too many demands from the audience. The guys out there in the audience. he's trying to get he's trying to get ingredients for that parmesan. He's like, "I don't have enough here. Uh, wow. um Kevin,
2: uh, <laughs>
1: what did you think of uh, American Es? I'm,
2: I'm very uh, honored to be on an episode where we had our first harmonica, and I have to imagine pasta primavera <laughs> reference. <laughs>
1: yes Yes. um
2: absolutely and also to tie it back to our earlier conversation uh we were talking about when new metal may have or may have not have uh jumped the shark i think we have a leading candidate of when uh this band called for murder (laughs) at osfest 2001 when (laughs) that may have been the moment you know um Uh, but no this uh i mean i I was i i learned you shouted him out i'll shout him out as well Uh, i learned about this band through holiday kirk and um I don't know if I'm speaking out of school here, but I'm pretty sure Holiday has uh, an American Head Charge poster in his bedroom that I've seen. But he, so he's he's about that life.
1: He's ride or die. He's, he's he's ride or die. He's yeah. He's basically like if he if he got like hit by a car and an ambulance had to like drive him and they're like loading him in, he'd be like, if I don't make it, you guys got to know about American Head Charge. <laughs> like I just I gotta rep them repped into my dying breath. You know, what, um,
2: it's a, it's a, it's a true fan. It's it. amazing. About what you just said, Lauren? you know, he literally was hit by a car like two months ago. Yes. Oh, that's
1: right. Yes. That's, that's right. Amazing you that's just said right.
2: That. Dude. He came over to lay down guitar. He was the only dude I could, that was uh that I knew that would have a drop uh, or a seven string guitar. And I needed a guitars on a big trash song. So he, we spend the whole night, he lays down this whole thing. And then the next day I text him and I'm like, Hey man, just thanks so much for coming by. Like giving your time. He's like, I just got hit by a bus. And I thought he was kidding. Like I thought he was hungover or something. And he literally he's all good now so we can laugh about it, I hope. Yeah. But uh yeah, he mm-hmm. literally yeah. got hit by a car.
1: Jeez. Wow. That is that's crazy. Yeah, I think I remember him like posting about it. He went through a similar kind of insane emergency room situation of like like no one could see him and he had to like pop his own arm back in or something. It was crazy. He's insane. Um, he's
2: truly an insane human. When you meet him in the flesh, it's uh he's not real. You know what I mean? It's like if New Metal truly was a person. It's a, it's pretty remarkable.
1: Wow! Well, there we go. And there we have it. Ozfest 2001, the Second Millennium. That's the album. And uh, and now we've come to the show, part of the show where we talk about.
4: Cannon talk. Talk that cannon.
1: Cannon. An explosion. Ooh, I like that explosion there. There we go. Kevin, we'll start with you.
2: Huh. Well, I want to first say that I take Roach Coach very seriously, arguably too seriously, and I hold uh, the Roach Coach Canon in incredibly high regard. So I, I'm, I'm not thinking about this lightly. My response: Um, Look, it's got to go in the Canon. It's got to go in the Canon because it is a documentation of the summer of two thousand one. Which is a very important time period to document in understanding the history and potential downfall of new metal, so i'm it's going in my canon
1: okay, Lauren, right. Wow, what I noted from this was that it's um it's a very solid set it even over an hour it really clips every song into the next, not a ton of banter what banter we do get is. Very interesting and telling, be it we want you to kill the person that's next to you, or um, you got time to lean, you got time to clean, or, you know, this is fear, or Zach Wilde saying, Limp gets still sucks dick. Um, <laughs> all of these, uh, um, this just occurred to me right now as we're recording this, is Limp Bizkit still sucks? Is that a reference to Zach
2: Wilde? They might owe, they, they oh, might owe Zach some money.
1: Whoa, whoa. As a time capsule, I do think that it is very strong in that way. I don't know if I'd put the whole thing in. I felt the only thing on this that truly felt like preserve this, put it in the canon, is the live bodies. Because it's so good. They sound so amazing. I was just, I was just leaning toward live bodies as the one thing to put in the canon. Matt, what do you think?
3: Well, we know we're leaving here with live bodies in the canon. 100%. Because there's no way that that cannot go in. Now it's the the thought that I have is what Kevin's talking about here as as an artifact, as a piece of time, as a, because we're going to have 2002 come up and it feels like new metal is on the decline at that Mm -hmm. point. This is the last big hurrah. I just wish the track listing was a little tighter evidence of that. Because the things that have launched this boat to sea were from the year previous in 1999. You know, like, Follow the Leader's been out for a long time. Significant Other's been out. Chocolate Starfish has been out. God, having, having like, unheard Slipknot being played, that's significant. But the, the rest, I mean, the rest of the album, I mean, like, we got Harmonica, we got The Wizard. We do have a soggy back half that is interesting, but not essential. So do we frame OzFest? 2001 as like that would go into the canon and then the song it's the only song we would mention is the live recording of bodies i don't know i'm kind of torn because i exactly understand what you're saying kevin like this is a pretty good testament and i don't think we're going to put a different one in at the same time i don't think this is the strongest representation of songs like yes lincoln park's on it yes papa roach is on it that seems canon worthy right there I mean those are canon artists that we're talking mm. about yeah you know but then it's Zach Wild and Ozzy himself I would not put in their Black Sabbath I wouldn't put into the Canon because they're not new metal canon stuff so I'm kind of I'm kind of torn I, I don't have a if it was hey Matt you have to vote I would say put in bodies and then figure out where you're gonna put 2001 Ozfest as a concept. Is that the junk drawer? What are we doing? Like, It's got to go somewhere because it is important. Like,
1: I mean, I feel like you could you could put the live bodies in and have OzFest 2001 as
3: an important aspect of the junk drawer, I guess. Well, wait a second. Mm-hmm. Isn't Fred Durst blowing up a boat in the cannon?
2: Sure Better is. Better be.
3: Then I think OzFest 2001 with this lineup, because we didn't cover the the lineup soup to nuts, but OzFest 2001 might be canon worthy.
1: You know what? Let's do it. Let's do it. Because clearly this is is that moment. They're in there. And also, honestly, is there anything more new metal than you're not even there and someone's telling you that you suck dick from stage? That's it. Amen. OzFed 2001, the, the second millennium, in the new metal canon, baby. Yeah. It's yeah. This is it,
3: because listen to this lineup. In the <clears throat> UK, it's Sabbath, Slipknot, Tool, Papa Roach, Soulfly, Head B, Head P.E., Raging Speedhorn. And then in the US, it's Sabbath, Manson, Slipknot, Papa Roach, Linkin Park, Disturbed, Crazy Town, then Black Label. Yeah. 2001's in the fucking canon. There we go. There
1: it is. There it is. There you go. OzFest. Welcome, Ozzy, Sharon, all the work you do. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you, Kevin, for coming on the show. This was a true pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you for being a Roach Rider and supporting the show. Um, Thank you for contributing to the culture with big trash we're excited to hear more more uh more music down the line if uh if none of my uh, if my foot doesn't fall off my body maybe i'll try to make it out to a show we can get some del taco after that'd be great and yeah thanks so much uh anything i mean you've got big trash you've got anything else you wanted to plug before we go no just
2: add big trash music on ig we're gonna give you a, a lot of big trash music as you might imagine a lot of memes memes are going crazy right now on Big Trash Music. And then, um, yeah, Big Trash on all streaming platforms. And the single out now is Payday. We got another one dropping in July and uh, shows throughout the summer. We might even be coming to uh, to Lansing, guys. How far is Lansing from uh, oh, Coach land Not too far. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's like a 60-70 minute track. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's 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 close by. Yeah. TBD. So well, all right. Well, awesome, Kevin. A true pleasure. Thank you so much. Congratulations on everything you are doing. We're fans and and I guess now we're friends. So there you go. Look at us. Um keep on. So yeah, definitely check out Big Trash Music. Definitely get those streams up, baby. That's what we're doing. It's 2023. You need those streams up. So add it to your <laughs> summer playlist. Or your 2023 playlist. I know people got different playlists. Playlist era. Add it to every list you
3: got. Um, Big Trash isn't on there. Followed by Dropout Kings. I don't know what you're doing this summer. Mm, Don't know what you're doing. What the fuck else
1: do you need? I'm telling you. If you don't have a playlist. And it doesn't have Big Trash Payday. Followed by Glitch Gang. Followed by Dropout Kings Vacuum Cleaner. You ain't doing summer right. You ain't doing summer right do it right and thank you so much for listening keep on saying hello to roach coach online facebook twitter instagram we're roach on all of those send us an email roach coach podcast at gmail.com and until next time matt
3: thank you lauren thank you kevin Bye.
0: I got paid today. <laughs>